Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz did it again. It wasn't always pretty. At times it was. When they're up 21, you were thinking, blowout, this is glorious. And the Clippers come back and take the lead. Okay, so that part wasn't pretty. But the Jazz get it done at the end of the game. They win. No real drama in the final two minutes. They couldn't throw the knockout punch, but yeah, they got through it. They're up too well. What more can you say? And they've done it without Mike Conley. And Joe Ingles shot it really well. Donovan Mitchell with a massive first half. Ends up with a 37-point game. Got all the uh, post-game sound coming up here. It was a real late game, so their thoughts on it. Uh, the downside of this game, and it's hard to believe it was a downside because the Jazz are up 2-0 on the Clippers. And i got to say, I thought it would probably be 1-1 at this point. I also thought it would be 2-2 after 4. So we'll see if the Jazz get a game in L.A. and get up 3-1. I can't imagine they're going to sweep the Clippers. Even at this point, that would shock me. And the Jazz won this game, and it was close. And it was tight. And Jordan Clarkson banked into 3. And Joe Ingles threw a layup off the top of the backboard that went in. Oh, my gosh. Um, But the downside is the injuries. Bojan Bogdanovic. Uh, landed on, uh, I think it was uh, Cousins' foot and rolled his ankle. That didn't look good. He stayed in and played, but I don't know how it'll be after a flight to L.A. Uh, and then Donovan Mitchell tweaked his ankle once, kind of a jab step, and that you could see the grimace on his face. And then late in the game, Paul George just ran over and crashed into him. Off the ball, away from it, and not a basketball play. Not a good look. Uh, Donovan gets asked about it, and you'll hear him just kind of blow it off. Not once, but twice. We'll get to that. Next, stay with us. DJ and PK, the best of the postgame show on the way. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, it is time for the best of the post-game show. Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, their post-game thoughts. Let's listen in now. Here's Jake with the best of the post-game show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Jazz win last night 117-111. to 111. They take a two games to none <clears throat> Excuse me. lead in their best of seven playoff series with the L.A. Clippers. Donovan Mitchell, terrific. 37 points to lead the way for the Jazz last night. Jordan Clarkson had 24 coming in off the bench. Rudy, 13 points, 20 rebounds, three blocks, and two steals. Rudy was terrific. In fact, most of the team played very, very well last night. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Quinn, obviously, uh, you guys got a little bit stagnant. The Clippers kind of surged ahead. Can you speak to just what turned around when you guys went on that uh, 14-2 to run down the stretch of the fourth quarter? Well, I, you know, when they played zone, I, I thought our, our spacing broke down. Um, and anytime you're not spaced, it's tough to move the ball. So um, we've been very good against zone over the course of the year. But I, I thought that affected us mentally. But more than anything, we, we stopped getting stops. And, you know, then we're not able to push the ball up the court and, you know, play instinctively. And, you know, that, that was give them credit that they were they were converting. Um, 
you know, we weren't, we weren't very efficient on offense and that's usually it hurts your defense and it, and it did. So I, as much as anything, you know, in my mind, it's what we did after that, that, um, that was really good in that, you know, we, we took a punch and we were able to kind of to collect ourselves and, and obviously got, got stops late, played really good defense late. And then we did, um, we did keep running, which is, which is hard to do. I think we were a little fatigued as well. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, you, you knew that you were going to need a little bit of more out of Joe tonight. What did you to see out of him in that fourth quarter? Well, I, I think I've been answering a lot of questions about Joe and JC. And I think their play kind of reinforced who they are. Not that anybody needed to know that. They didn't have to prove anything. But um, it, it wasn't just, you know, what showed up on the box score. Um, you know, I thought that Joe played with tremendous poise and confidence. And, you know, JC when he's come in the game, you know, he's just, he's able to make plays and, and, and hit shots that are usually really momentum shots. It seems to be every time we need a bucket, he's able to, to generate something. So um, I'd, I'd like to see us keep moving the ball more. You know, I think that's crucial for us, no matter who's creating, um, you know, particularly because they're so long. Um, but both, you know, both Joe and JC obviously, you know, played a huge role tonight. Tony Jones, the athletic. Uh, just kind of piggybacking off of that. How important was it? You know, Donovan was obviously fatigued down the stretch and not and, and not a hundred percent. So how important was it for um, you know, Bojan's defense, Joe make make a, a an important shot, Royce to make an important shot, just to kind of kind of take the uh some possessions off of Donovan down the stretch. Well, that's what really what we've been doing all year. And I think Donovan understands how to pick his spots, um, you know, and we all have confidence in those other guys shooting the ball. Um, you know, it's tough when they pressure as much as they did at certain times because it really makes you work. But, you know, what Boyan did tonight should, should not go unnoticed. I mean, he – he, you know, he epitomized what, you know, when, when you talk about a warrior, um, you know, the way that he played on both ends of the floor. And, you know, he always seems to want the ball when, you know, when at the important times in the game. And, you know, Royce is another guy that makes big shots. So um, that's, that's, how we, that's how we've played. That's who we are. Um, guys trusting each other and playing for each other. And you know, it doesn't matter who's on the back end of the possession. Um, I think our guys have confidence that those shots are going to get taken. And, you know, we're going to make more than we miss. And Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, uh, your identity has been pretty solid throughout the season, and that was the idea of bringing everyone back from last year. Did you see that playing off as kind of Donovan Mitchell trailed off towards the end and you just had the next answer with Joe? Well, I, I really think our identity is, 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 is grown throughout the season. I, I think that, you know, there was a, you know, there was a seed planted, you know, last spring. And the way that our team has come together, um, you know, in the bubble, I thought that was a big thing for us. But, um, you know, be, ha having an identity is something that you, you, you create an identity by doing something over and over and over again. Um, you know, and that takes time. And then when you get in these types of environments, 
um, when there's a team that's as good as the Clippers are trying to take stuff away from you, um, that that's even more difficult. So, um, I'm, I'm proud of our team, the way we played. Um, we know we're playing against the team. They were down Oh two in their last series and, and came back and won it. So, you know, we don't get too high. Don't get too low and, um, keep trying to play in the, play the way that, that we know we have to play and adjust where we need to. But, um, I think our guys are together and we're not going to be perfect. We didn't get any offensive rebounds tonight. We turned it over more. So there's, you know, there's a bunch of things we can do better, but like I said, I, I thought we were resilient tonight um, and, and we were mentally tough. Tim McMahon, ESPN.com. Quinn Donovan's obviously shot the ball really well in this series so far, but he's also gotten up a lot of, uh, a lot of shots. How has he been able to generate so many good looks uh, when obviously the Clippers are doing everything they can to, to keep him from doing that. Well, I think it starts with, you know, his aggressiveness and transition. Um, you know, there are shots that, that we as a group know that we want to take. And I think our guys being able to identify them and, and shoot them with confidence without, without hesitation. So whether he's shooting the ball off the dribble and pick and roll, um, a lot of credit goes to Rudy. You know, there's a lot of times that Rudy springs him for those shots. Um, I think guys running, um, when guys do run, there's seams for Donovan to attack. You saw that really early in the game when he's able to get to the rim. And then there's other guys. We have other playmakers on our team where, where Don can space. And I think that's something that, you know, that he's gotten more and more locked in on that, you know, oftentimes if he's just spaced and ready, um, you know, those catch and shoot threes are, are really good shots. And he's, he's got such tremendous range um, that, that he can really rise up. So um, I, I think he's really, you know, his, his shot selection, his shot profile, he's, you know, he's picked his spots. He's, he's taking shots that are open, whether that be pulling up and hitting the mid range or getting to the rim, you know, or shooting it off a catch and shoot three, shooting it off the dribble. And, you know, our, our guys know who he is um, and he knows who he is. And I think the biggest thing that, that Donovan's done, frankly, is just compete. And, you know, that's something that, that he brings every night. He just wants to win and he, and he competes and, you know, good things happen when that's the case. Rebecca Harlow, TNT. Hey, Coach, yeah, just getting back to Boyan, you know, he's so prolific um, on the offensive side of the ball. I feel like that's what we talk about all the time. But his effort defensively tonight was so outstanding. Do you feel like he deserves more credit for what he does defensively? And, and can you just talk to me about the impact that he's made um, for your team on that end of the floor? He's, you know, he, he had to go back. He you know, turned his ankle a little bit, and I don't think there was any doubt in anyone's mind that, that he was going to play. Um, and we had a little discussion um, beginning of the playoffs because we're on him a little bit about making sure he's getting on the glass. And um, he was very matter-of-fact that it's the playoffs and he's ready and he's locked in and, and that, that's what you've seen. So um, he, he's one of the more competitive guys that I've ever been around. And, you know, that, that translates to both ends of the floor. It doesn't show up as much on the defensive end. You know, it's not as noticeable, I should say, but certainly in, in this series with those two guys that are, you know, not just all-star players, but, you know, a couple of the, the very best players in the league, um, it's hard. 
you know, it's hard to, to, to contain if anything. And I just like the way he's competing and, and um, obviously it's important to him and he knows how much we need him to win. And, and, and that's, that's what matters to him the most. David James, KOTV. You mentioned uh, the fatigue factor kind of late in the game there, Quinn, and you played one guy 41 minutes, a couple other guys 39. It's worked. You're up 2-0, but is that sustainable going forward or given the other every other day nature of the schedule, are you going to have to uh, loosen the rotation a little bit? I think it's game to game. You know, if you were to go ahead and look at box scores across the course of the playoffs with different teams, I think – you know, it's pretty common that rotations shorten a bit and that guys' minutes go up. So, um, you know, when you see a guy like Royce playing 40, but you also see, you know, you think you see Kawhi playing 39 and PG playing 43. So a lot of that stuff's matchup related. Um, but there's no question, you know, that you're going to, you're going to need everybody to contribute. And, you know, that, that's something our, our team has been able to do during the course of the year. And e even if it's not for extended minutes, you know, I think, you know, in these types of games, the, the level that the games are played on, if someone can come in and, you know, make a couple plays, get an offensive rebound, get a stop, hit a shot, you know, even in a, in a short stretch, you know, that gives everybody a big lift. All right. Time for one last question. Julie Jags, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Coach, can you talk a little bit um, about just the spark that Jordan Clarkson brought out tonight and uh, and his play in general? Yeah, you know, he's he's capable, you know, at any time of, of stringing possessions together where he's not just making shots, but he's making plays. And, um, you know, I, I think our team not only relies on that, but expects that from him. And he did that and he did that again tonight. It's something we've been seeing, you know, throughout the course of the year. Um, that's why he's the sixth man of the year, because he's able to come in and, and make those types of plays, particularly, you know, late in the shot clock, um, you know, you're on a little bit of a dry spell. It just seems like he tends to be the guy that gets you a bucket when you need it. And I think he takes great pride in that. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the fact that, you know, he's really locked in defensively as well. And frankly, I, I think that helps him you know, being being equally focused on both ends. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder giving a lot of love to Boyan Bogdanovich early in his comments, talking about challenging him to be better on the glass and play tough defense. Boy, did he, as the Jazz did very well against Kawhi Leonard, holding him to 21 points uh, last night on 8 of 17 shooting. Let's now hear from the players. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, uh, a couple of things... I was wondering if you're you're feeling okay. There was a couple of plays that a, a collision with PG late in the game. It looked like he got banged up. One earlier that looked like he might have pulled something. How are you feeling? And then additionally, you just talked to me about Boyan's defense on Kawhi. Um, I'm great, no problems. Uh, Boyan's defense was you know superb. He's been taking that role and taking that challenge. You know. Um, we make jokes with him all the time. You know, we look at uh, Boyan and say, we pay you to shoot, you know, but he's giving us both. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's accepted, you know, the role of taking that head on. You know, he, he's going to do what he does offensively. And, you know, his energy and his, like, force. And obviously we have Royce and Rudy who are our star defenders. But when you have a guy like Boyan and JC that we're all picking up, like, that gives us a boost. Uh, and that's really what changed the complexion of the game. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Hey, Don, so uh, you checked out midway through the fourth, and then, you know, some of the other guys start stepping up, whether it's, you know, Joe hitting the layup, um, you know, Royce hitting the three. Uh, can you just speak to the confidence you have in the other guys as they were able to kind of take things under, you know, into their hands and go on that uh, momentum shifting run? I got the utmost confidence in the world. I think we all do. Uh, I think the fans, I think y'all do too. When y'all see it, like we, we get out there and we're going to have rough stretches. It's going to happen. Um, you know, we missed 21 straight game one and then we couldn't buy a bucket this game and when they went to zone. So it's going to happen. You know, I think the biggest thing for us is our will, you know, and I, uh, I, I completely trust my teammates. You know, they trust me to do what I do. So um, it was no surprise to see them go out there, get stop, score, and then to get us up 10. You know, Joe stepped up big time. Uh, like you said, Boyan uh, stepped up his defense. Royce has been a dog this whole series. We, we all know Rudy, you know, having 20 boards. But, like, the biggest thing is, man, we could do a collective. Um, even when shots aren't falling. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing for us is continuing to, to take it step by step. And as far as trust goes, I think we all trust each other to, a, to the maximum level. And that's why we play the way we play. Tony Jones, The Athletic. What are some of the adjustments? I mean, everybody talks about, um, you know, the team that's down making the adjustments. But what are some of the adjustments that you guys can make heading into game three? Uh, well, one, I mean, the one that's obvious is that we play against his own. Um, got stagnant. They slowed us up and credit to, to Tyloo and the staff for, for doing that. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we haven't played against zone in a long time, you know, and for us to just find a ways to get into the paint and do what we've been doing. Um, and then on top of that, we weren't getting any stops. So, you know, we, we got to continue to get stops and do what got us up 21 or 19, whatever it was. So um, I think that's really a big thing for us. Continue to move the ball, continue to do what we do, but getting stops is huge. You know, they're a talented team. They're going to hit shots, but the looks they were getting and the, and the way they were getting their buckets, I feel like we can kind of control that a little bit better than we did in that third quarter, especially. So um, we are going to expect heavy pressure from them, physicality like it was tonight and, you know, just continue to do what we do and get out there. Matthew calls AP. Besides the zone, it looked like they threw a lot of defensive coverages at, at you. Was it difficult to diagnose some of that? And how did you overcome it? Um, no, I mean, I think for me, um, I've said this before, you know, being in the league, I know it's only been four years, but you see everything. I've seen every coverage. It's just a matter of me making the right reads. You know, it's about how aggressive they are and physical. You know, you got Pat picking up full court. You know, not to play with the ball at Pat there. Like simple mistakes that I've made myself that I don't make, you know, that I can't make, uh, especially in the playoffs. So I think for me, it's just a matter of finding my guys and, and us not getting down shots. And, you know, sometimes they, sometimes the shots go in, sometimes they don't. But I think, you know, seeing those different things and expecting them, you know, I, I kind of knew that coming into the game that going to throw different looks um, and, you know, they're going to probably do the same thing again in game three. So it's got to be ready and watch the film and do what I've instinctively do. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, I know you say you're fine, but we see you limping out there. So I have to ask, is it, is it pain? Is it soreness? Is it your knee? Is it your ankle? I mean, kind of a thigh. I mean, tell me I mean, I guess, what's going on. I got hit and it hurt, um, but I'm fine now. Um, I walked in here. If you want me to sprint for you, I can. I'm, I'm good. Um, you know, thankful it wasn't bad and move on and get ready for, for game three. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? You've, uh, you've talked a lot about this year, but sort of what you learned from the, from the experience last year when you guys were up 3-1, um, obviously against Denver and stuff. When they, when they make a run in this game, 
you know, and they and they they actually take the lead there. Um, do, does any of that help you there when you when you're up and you have it, and then all of a sudden they come back? Do you you sort of yeah, know how to dig in there? Yeah, there's going to be adversity. You know, we're not going to always blow them out, blow teams out. You know, it's the playoffs. You know, it was great when being up 21, but at the end of the day, they executed like they should. They've been here before. You have guys who've been to the finals, been in the playoffs, have rings, have championships. So this is nothing they haven't seen before. So for us, it's like, okay, you know, they made a run, but how do we counter that? You know, and I give our, our group, I think when I came out at the seven minute mark, like that group, you know, going on that run, um, was huge. And I think not just for myself, but as a team, I think we, we understand how to handle these things, you know, and I think that was, that was what you saw today, uh, tonight. And, you know, I think definitely the experience from the bubble, bubble definitely helped, you know, we understood, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, we're having flashbacks to certain instances and we kind of relate and having the same core group, we know exactly how these things work. So for us, it's continuing to do what we do and understanding they're going to, they're going to punch back and we got to continue to continue to fight and continue to do what we do. Uh, Rebecca Harlow, TNT. Hey, Donovan, you know, you've talked about how much the game has slowed down for you. And, and obviously the playoffs are very intense, physical, all that stuff. But, you know, this year with all of the playmakers that you have around you, how much has the pressure kind of also come off of you a bit? Are you having more fun with this team, just hooping with these guys, despite the intensity of what's, these games mean? Yeah, I think, you know, what I make one shot in the fourth quarter and like two in the second half. Like, I think for me, it's like, I don't feel like I have to go out there and do everything. You know what I mean? And I think that's a credit to the teammate, my teammates, you know, credit to what we guys we have on this team because they can go out there and make plays. Uh, Everybody has elevated their game uh, each year, you know? So for me, look at the way Joe came out uh, in the fourth, uh, Boyan, JC, um, like, I don't feel like I have to go up there, walk it up, do everything, you know, and there are times where I will have to do that. You know, that's just part of my job. But, um, you know, for me, it's, it's great to have a group of guys that trust you and you trust and you just go out there and play and have fun. And obviously it's the playoffs and this is a high intensity uh, series, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm playing the game I love uh, with guys that I, that I, I really love and enjoy being around. So it makes, like I said, makes the, the journey fun, uh, ups and downs. It's going to keep happening, but we, we enjoy it. I enjoy it. David James, KUTV. Donovan, over the course of your career, you've probably had more big second halves than uh, first halves, but you have had some big first halves. And I'm wondering how much of that is just the flow of the game, the shots come and, and you get hot. And how much of that is you thinking now is a time I need to make a mark on the game? Uh, I think tonight was that was my mindset going forward, you know, starting off the game strong. You know, I think my lackluster performance in the first half on both ends of the floor was huge uh, for them going out there and they get what we got down 13. It was an uphill battle the whole game. Uh, so for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to make my imprint, you know, and I think tonight was through scoring. Some nights are going to be getting off the ball uh, or they blitz me or trap me or whatever. Some nights like maybe like tonight. So uh, that was my mindset. You know, I'm going to continue to be aggressive and pick my spots. But, you know, I think tonight was just kind of like, okay, like let's go out there and try and try to be aggressive, you know, and make the right plays. And those are the looks I got. And once you see a few go in, you start to, to start to feel, feel good. But at the end of the day, I only took two free throws, which I'm pissed about to be honest with you. Cause I feel like I could get to the line. I, I settled for a bunch of jump shots. And at the end of the day, uh, that's really where I pride myself is being able to make the plays and get it to the free throw line. And I can get my assist numbers up too, for sure. Uh, we're going to go to Jacopo de Francesco from around the game, Italy. Somebody playing good music right now. Hi, Donovan. Congrats. 
And which one do you think has been your main point of emphasis on offense tonight? Um, I think trying to get, trying to, you know, get downhill, but, you know, like I said, I didn't get to the free throw line enough. You know, I was able to hit the three ball. I was able to hit shots, get into the mid range and based on how they were playing, make certain reads, but there are definitely things I can do better. I had three crucial turnovers. Um, you know, I pride myself on being able to take care of the ball when the ball's in my hand. So for me, just being aggressive uh, tonight, it was through the three ball. I mean, so it was the last game, but trying to get to the rim, trying to create and, and find those gaps, uh, is, I think was what I kind of saw in film and I'm going to continue to try and do. All right, we have time for one last one. Tim McMahon, ESPN.com. Donovan, what did you think about them going back or, or going to their big lineup to start the game? And how much uh, d does that kind of present a, an opportunity for you in terms of attacking in the pick and roll with Rudy? Um, you know, that's kind of what most teams do throughout the league. So I think if there was one defense, I would say we're most comfortable with it would be that probably. So for us, it was just getting back to our roots. Uh, they started out small first game. So we, we worked for that. But like I said, like somebody said earlier, they threw a bunch of looks at us. But for me, it's just like finding ways to continue to be aggressive. You know, I, I think I hit big fella one time on a roll. Um, I got to be able to find him more, you know, be able to find him, be able to find my, my guys and, you know, they're going to trap me. They're going to do certain things. So I got to be able to make those plays, make those passes. And, you know, to start the game, they were dropped, you know, so I, I went out there and did what I did, but, you know, they switched to, they switched immediately. So it's going to be so many different things you're going to see. And the part of the playoffs is just adjustments. So I got to make adjustments of my own and get ready for it. That was Donovan Mitchell, 37 points from Donovan, 27 of those coming in the first half. He did, uh, it looked like tweak something, maybe that ankle at the very end of the game after a collision with Paul George, Donovan saying he is fine. So you hope that is the case. Uh, if so, that is certainly uh, good news. Well, there's the best of the postgame show. Part one, we still need to hear from Joe Ingles and from Jordan Clarkson, and we'll do that next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We just heard from Quinn Snyder and Donovan Mitchell. Time now to hear from Joe Ingles and Jordan Clarkson as the best of the postgame show continues. Let's now hear from Joe Ingles. So Don and JC carried you guys offensively for a lot of the night, and then all of a sudden in that late fourth quarter stretch, you step up big, Royce hits a big shot, Bland hits a big shot. Uh, can you kind of just take us through that that big closing 14-2 run late in the fourth where uh, – the rest of you guys kind of took over. Yeah, I mean, it's the beauty of our team, I think, and, and it has been all year of um, different possessions, um, not necessarily like taking turns, but just kind of uh, – I think Donovan and I said at one point, like whoever Beverly's not on, bring it up and, and we'll get into something. Obviously, he, he he's pretty good on the ball. Um I think he stole that one off me one time. So just, yeah, just figuring out matchups and, and who's on who and, and who we want to attack and w where we want to go at, uh, at different times. So, um, the, the, again, the beauty of our team is that we've got a, a lot of guys that can handle the ball and, and make plays and, and obviously make shots and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was just 
again, reading the reading the situation, reading the play, um, mismatches or, or the, the matchups that we, we want to try and find and then and then being aggressive at, at the point of it. Tony Jones, the athletic. Um, can you describe, you know, just the, the resilience and the toughness that you guys showed today um, in the last two games um, to, to A, overcome, you know, a, a night where you shoot, where you miss 21 consecutive shots and B, overcome um, a third quarter where you guys just couldn't get anything done against the zone and, and, and still be able to, to, to hit back um, when you guys took some haymakers? Yeah. Um, I mean, even when we got up, 16 or whatever that lead was at one point. Um, the whole time out, obviously about staying focused and locked in and, and just knowing they are obviously going to score at some point for the rest of the game or quarter. Um, we're, we're not going to hold them to, to zero for the rest of the quarter. So just, just knowing that they're obviously a good team and they're going to, they're going to make a little run at some point, uh, which they did. And the, the zone part, I think, um, I mean, we haven't seen zone for a long time. I think I said it this morning. We we get better at things as as kind of time goes on. And at the start of the zone, we were very very good. I think we got a bit stagnant in it, and kind of looking at Donovan to to make a play um, each time. And as the the quarter went on, um, or the time of of the zone went on, um, we figured out some things. I think JC and Boyan hit a couple of big shots to just kind of hold that lead a little bit. Um, so obviously, yeah. I mean, now that we kind of know they they did that, um, there's probably a, a good chance they'll do it again. Um, so we'll, we'll be be ready for it. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Joe, not to talk about the guy who's going to push you back to the bench, but what does it mean to get these two wins without Mike Conley? <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand my ground and refuse to go back to the bench. What about that? Good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be a waste of time. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's big. It's um, it's what we've done all all year. We've obviously at different times had different guys out, um, especially that last kind of little stretch of the year, that four or five weeks um, without Donovan. Um, so again, I I think I said it this morning too. I'm more than happy to to go back to the bench for for a guy like that. Um, it's what I've done all year. I've, I've been in and out of that starting lineup a little bit. Um, it's what I'm, I'm almost used to um, at different times. And um, when he comes back, I'll more than happily leave my uh, jacket on for the first few minutes and um, give him a handshake and, and support him. So, um, yeah, it's just a, almost a, that mentality of kind of next man up. Um, I, yeah, he got in there a bit more tonight and, and stuff like that. So, We've dealt with that. I mean, we've dealt with that for seven years since I've been here, to be honest with you. Um, Could name people each year that have missed time and and guys who had to start or or play different roles. So um, coach does a good job of, or the coaching staff and medical staff of of having everybody ready at um, the time that they need to, if if guys need to step in and um, kind of pick up some, some load of, of a guy missing. Ramona Shelburne, ESPN. Hey Joe, how's it going? Um, Good. Hey, you, mean, you guys have the defensive player of the year. I know you got that award today uh, before the game. And it's six man of the year, your best record in the league. You just held serve at home in these two really close games. Are, are, are people starting to take you seriously now as an NBA championship contender? I mean, is, is this the, the game where we start to believe this is your year? 
I mean, you guys probably hear it or yeah. see it more than we do. Um, you probably don't want my honest opinion because I really, really don't care what people think <laughs> or, or um, what people say or, or think about our team. Um, we've we've put in the work. I mean, we've, we've put in the work for seven years since, since Quinn took over to, to be in this position and um, be fighting for this. So it's been a process and um, – it's been, uh, I think, I mean, Fave now as well, but Rudy and I were the last two and then obviously getting Fave back. So um, there's been a lot of different guys here um, and we've kind of been building every year um, to, towards this. So we know within our locker room and, and this organization what we've done to put ourselves in this position um, and and the confidence we, we've got to, to keep winning games and keep pushing and, um, yeah, just keep kind of moving forward step by step. Um I mean, whatever people want to say or write or talk about, I like I'm going to go home tonight and have a great sleep and get up tomorrow and take my kids to school and whatever people want to talk about, they'll talk about. But for us, it's going to be, um, yeah, heading in tomorrow, we'll watch some more film and, and keep, keep kind of pushing forward step by step. It's, I know it's like the oldest cliche in the book, but it is one game at a time. We, we can't kind of look too far ahead and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll recover and get ready and, um, yeah, get ready for the next one. Thanks, Joe. No worries. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Joe, did you know that Boyan could defend like this? Hey, he's going to hurt himself because now every for 82 regular season games, he's going to have to pick up full court. Same with JC. JC was doing the same thing. So um, maybe he's just so much better offensively that he saves his energy to give him 30 or whatever. But um, no, it's – I mean – I think he's done a good job The whatever, what's he been here two years now? I think um, his second year. So um, I think he's been, whatever you want to call it, underrated or not. I, I think sometimes you get people get like, he is so good offensively that you just kind of, that's what like you think of Boyan and that's what you think. Um, but, but he's been, he's been good for us for, for two years defensively. He's, I mean, everyone has slip ups of yeah, like that's from top to bottom. Maybe we can take Rudy out of that list because he's three time defensive player of the year. But um, I mean, at, at times everyone's going to have a, a mistake or anything like that. But um, if the effort's there and and you know the game plan, um, and again, like you throw Rudy behind uh, and put his put him in the the under the room or whatever we wherever he is on the court, it it helps everybody. Um, so yeah, it's. I can't wait for game one next year when he has to pick up full court. <laughs> um, but no, it's, uh, he's, he's played great um, on both ends of the floor for us. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep it going for him. All right. Time for one last question. Maxime Lagorge, the free agent. Yes, my guy. Yeah. The free agent, Maxime. Uh, yeah. Uh, what makes the difference in many time tonight? In the what, sorry? In money time. Money time. Man, I love your questions. Um, I mean, we, we, we've, it kind of goes back to the earlier question of, of this, this buildup of seven years. We've done the amount of hours and days we've spent um, going through late game situations, what we run a run in the last quarter, what matchups we want to attack in, in and, and having guys in the, the right position to attack those matchups. 
Um, we've been building and, and working on this for, for seven years too. So I think we're, we are very comfortable in those situations. Um, it helps when you've got Donovan uh, to make plays on the ball or with the ball. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we've been, um, we, I think we've been good in a lot of those situations a lot of the time because we do, um, we, we work on it a lot. There's a segment of practice every day at the end that's um, kind of dedicated to, to late game situations, spacing. I mean, we talked about spacing for, I don't know how long this morning, uh, shoot around, but it's, it's crucial in these games. Um, the close game, last possession, last shot, whatever the situation is, you, you need to execute. And I think we, we generally do a pretty good job of that. And I think it is, um, the, the time we spend on it. And then, um, like I said, it helps having some some pretty good players in those situations. There you go. Joe Ingles in the starting lineup last night. Everybody was consider, uh, concerned about his shooting. Well, not a problem. Four of seven from three, seven of ten from the field, 19 points for Joe, four rebounds, and four assists. Let's now wrap up the player sound with Jordan Clarkson. Hi, Jordan. Congrats for the win. Um, how important is it mental? <laughs> You're welcome. How important is it mentally to win these two home games against a team like the Clippers. And I was also wondering, how do you feel about playing in front of an arena packed with fans rooting for your team? I mean, how do they impact on your game? Um, it's definitely a lot of energy. You know, we're playing against a great team. We knew they was going to come out here and uh, really compete and uh, try to, you know, get one here um, on our home court. But, you know, we, we fought through. Uh, I think at one point we was up almost about 20. Uh, they came back through a um, you know a little change in the game, and uh, they made a run and got the lead back down. And uh, biggest thing about us, we just kept playing, uh, kept doing what we doing, uh, running, spacing, uh, and then we started getting stops. Um, you know that was a big thing for us in the uh, second half, late in the game as well. Uh, big shots by Joe, uh, Boyan, Donovan. All those guys are making plays toward the end of the game that, that helped us uh, win it. But it's definitely great having fans in there. You know, it's a it's a different environment, super loud. Uh, definitely ready for, you know, going into Staples and, you know, experiencing that as well. David James, KUTV. Jordan, there have been a lot of comments about uh, – your defense and Bojan's defense, you guys maybe aren't thought of as the stoppers on the team, but pretty big efforts from you. I'm wondering what led to that? What kind of comments from the coaches or something you saw in film? Uh, just film work. And I think me and Boyan really locking in, um, knowing that it's playoffs, um, knowing that guys are, you know, all trying to attack, um, you know, they're trying to get us in switches and stuff like that. So, um us just kind of locking in, knowing this playoffs, knowing each possession matters, um, knowing we're going against, you know, great matchups and, you know, we just out there competing and uh, doing what we're trying to do to, to get wins. Rebecca Harlow, TNT. Hey, Jordan. You know, your game obviously speaks for itself and you've talked a lot about how you really feel comfortable and at home with this Jazz team. I'm just curious – you know, when you think about your legacy, what you want to, the mark that you want to leave in the NBA, you, you also seem to be everybody's favorite player and friend, no matter where you go. Do you think about 
that like who you want to be as a person just as much as who you are on the court? Um, not necessarily, you know, I'm kind of just like free and, uh, you know, I'm just myself. <laughs> I'm not really worried about uh, a legacy or any of that kind of left, left behind or anything in the league. You know, I'm just trying to be there for my teammates, uh, give them good vibes. Uh, and, you know, coming out here and competing, you know, our life is like very um, stressful and, you know, playoff times is, you know, a, a big, uh, big concentration focus moments for us. Uh, but I'm still trying to bring that free, uh, just flowing, you know, vibe to this team and, uh, you know, continue to do that. And, you know, I really don't think about uh, a legacy and what I leave behind. But if it was, they they know JC was free and, um, you know, did what he did <laughs> on his own time. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Jordan, can you kind of just take us through that big fourth quarter run where we started to see some of the other guys take over, you know, whether it was Joe or Royce hitting a big shot or Boyan hitting a big shot. Just kind of take us through what it means to have that many guys who can come through in big moments like that. Um, It's amazing. Uh, We do a good job of moving the ball, taking shots. You know, I feel like uh, sometimes in a game we, we kind of – overpass and uh, try to look for the next guy. Um, you know, we, we find ourselves in some trouble, especially me. Uh, but I have no problem shooting it. But uh, those guys um, in those situations, making those big plays and finishing the game like that, it's the reason why they're out there, the reason why they're finishing the game um, and making those shots. You know, they've done it throughout the whole season. Um, now you've seen them do it in the playoffs. Uh you know, big shots by Royce, like you said. Um, I don't think he was, you know, really on like he has been in the playoffs this whole game. And then you see him bang those last, you know, threes and making big plays on the defensive end at the end. You know, that's a real confidence booster for him uh, going into this next game. You see Joe knocking threes down. Boyan just feeling so free and, you know, knocking down. It's a beautiful thing, uh, being able to spread the floor and uh, shoot threes and uh, make plays for each other. Christos Saltos, uh, Sport DNA. Uh, hey, Jordan. I would like to ask you, how could you rate the, the level of uh, confidence in the team after those two wins? And also, how different is the dynamic with Donovan? Because you have six wins in the six games of playoffs when uh, Donovan came back in action. Um, say that first part again. My bad. I got lost yeah. in the second question. My bad. Yeah. How how big? How could you rate the level of confidence in the team after those two wins against the Clippers? Um, I don't think it has to do with the two wins. Uh, in terms of our confidence, I think we all pretty confident uh, coming into every series, uh, every game. We know it's one at a time. We know what our goal is and uh, what we want to accomplish. Um, so I think our confidence level is pretty high. And, you know, these game, these two games already happened. Tomorrow we're just going to wash them out, um, watch film, get back on the court, go to L.A., um, lock down and, you know, do what do what we do. Um, you know, nothing has really changed for us. Uh, we're still sticking to the same script and um, trying to do what we do. And in terms of confidence level, I think it's very high. Um, and then with Don coming back, it's – 
you see his performances, you see uh, his shooting percentages, what, what plays he's making on the court. Uh, we asking him to defend as well with, uh, you know, Mike being out. Uh, he's just stepping up in a big way. He's being a real superstar, uh, MVP caliber player, uh, all NBA guy. So, you know, that's, that's his job and, you know, that's what he does. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. With a guy like Donovan, like you were saying, the, the caliber of player that he is, it could it could maybe be easy to rely on him a little bit. I, you've been on teams like that before with a guy like LeBron where you can rely on him to take over games. But what's it like to be on this team where it seems like there's so much trust in putting the ball in everyone's hands, not just Donovan's? Uh, it feels amazing. We know he's a special talent. We know he can get a shot. Uh, we know he can score you know, very explosively and, you know, go for 50 every night. But he does a good job of, you know, getting everybody involved, getting in the paint, making plays for us, uh, getting open threes, starting to blender for us, breaking guys down. It's it's a special talent that he has and a balance that he has has been great for us. Um, and like I said, he's just being an all-star, all-NBA guy uh, and really like an MVP for us. So, uh Hey, he's hats off to that guy, man. He's uh, worked really hard to get back on his court as well um, with his ankle stuff and everything. So it's great. Sam Farnsworth, KSL TV. Hey, Jordan, uh, I want to take you back to playing the first quarter uh, when you uh, crossed up Paul George and hit that step back three pointer. How much in a moment like that, is that just improvisation on the spot or is there something you saw in tape or earlier in the game that you knew you might have an opportunity to do something like that? Um, That just happens, bro. That's just instinct. Um, catching the ball on the wing. We didn't have it. I just tried to make a play and, uh, you know, end up happening. I made the three, just ran back. <laughs> That's all it was. I don't think it's bigger than what it is. Um, you know, he played great defense. He had a contest on a shot. I just made it. <laughs> All right. And last question, Naya Campbell, UtahJazz.com. Uh, first, JC, thank you so much for bringing back the kilt. That's all I ask. I really appreciate you for bringing it back. But um, I wanted to take it back to uh, game one because Carl Malone was in the building and he rocked your jersey. He had his family in flamethrower gear and he actually bought multiple Jordan Clarkson uh, jerseys. I wanted to know how that felt, uh, just to have a legend like that, just rocking your jersey at the game. Uh, that's pretty dope. Uh, you know, something that I, you know, embrace is good to see him uh, come to the game and, you know, really support. Uh, yes, yeah, I think it's just fire. <laughs> It's just, it's just dope. <laughs> There's Jordan Clarkson, 24 points coming in off the bench, 9 of 15 shooting. He was terrific. Even banked down a three, hit a bunch of contest, uh, contested shots as well. Jordan proving why he was the sixth man of the year. In fact, he had all 24 of the Jazz bench points last night. So big game for Jordan. 117 to 111 is your final. Game three in L.A. is coming your way tomorrow night. Tip-off will be at 630. Pre-game coverage from the plaza out front, uh, front of the arena will begin at 5. There's the best of the postgame show. Jazz up 2-0. What is trending? All the headlines next. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! 
Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan in the front court with the crowd in three different colored t-shirts watching in a full house here in Salt Lake. Crossover, rise, fire. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. How about that start tonight? Donovan gets a squeeze, pick and roll. Comes off Gobert to the right, has airspace, fires the three. Kaboom! Utah, 74, Clippers 55. Donovan shaking his head going the other way and winks. Oh, yes, when you're magic, you can wink. The spider is throwing his web out, and it's magical right now. Clarkson's at the top. Boy, are they physical right now. Clarkson will go one-on-one on Kennard, dive into a three off the glass and in. Donovan across the state logo in the gradient colors. Works at the top. Jazz trying to get Kennard. They do. He drives at him in the lane, high off the glass and in. Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz, in their gradient colors, taking a 2-0 lead in the playoff series with the Clippers. I think of it as like the Red Rock look. I don't usually think of gradient colors. But it doesn't matter the look. It doesn't matter the jerseys. It matters 2-0. Jazz 117-111. A lot of heroes in this game. Donovan Mitchell, as you heard him say in the last hour, after a poor start in Game 1, decided to take control early in Game 2, and he did it a huge first half. He ends up with 37 points in the game. But other guys coming through big time. Rudy Gobert, 13 points, 20 rebounds. Joe Ingles, who hadn't shot the ball in four game, well in the last four games. And I hate the whole, he hasn't shot it well in the playoffs. He was on fire in the first two games. He was bound to have a bad game or two because he's not a 60% shooter. <laughs> now, the stretch went four games, which made me think he's bound to have a good game. And that is why Quinn Snyder tells guys to keep shooting. It didn't pay off in Game 5 against Memphis, and it didn't pay off in Game 1 against the Clippers. But, man, did it pay off in a big way in Game 2. And the Clippers, and Locke was right in that call about the physical defense, they went to a zone, which definitely messed up the Jazz timing and spacing. And But at the same time, and this was really odd, tend, a lot of teams tend to get a little passive in a zone, guarding a space, not a man. They got really physical in the zone. Their guards went out and picked up high in the zone, got into people, got away with stuff. There were no calls. It's the playoffs. There's going to be no calls. I mean, you can sit there and scream at your TV. That's a foul by the letter of the law. Well, you know they're not going to call every foul. They never call every foul. And they don't call – they call even fewer fouls in the playoffs. So Patrick Beverly is just at one point just literally laying on Donovan Mitchell. But they didn't call it. So you got to figure it out. Because you know they're not going to. They're not. And the Jazz finally did figure it out, and it certainly helped after being real physical that the Clippers, and I thought Doris Burke nailed this, hit the nail right on the head. The Clippers get really casual. It doesn't matter if it's a really soft turnover, at a time the Jazz needed it because they weren't scoring and they needed stops, or if they just blank on a matchup. Joe's dribbling up court and... I don't know who was supposed to take him, if it was Reggie Jackson or, or Patrick Beverly, but one of those guys was supposed to take him. Nobody did, and he just walks right into a wide-open three and drills it, and the place goes nuts, and the game's basically over. But I don't think anything was more amazing. And Donovan Mitchell was amazing. But was anything more amazing than watching Boyan Bogdanovich put on his big-boy defender shorts and get after Kawhi Leonard? I mean, Bogdanovich, when he came here, come on, did you think of him as like, C-minus defender. If you're kind, because he's a jazz guy, you thought C-minus. 
You're a little harsher. You might have thought. Uh, well below average. D plus. D. Some nights an F. Just can't give him enough credit. He really went after Kawhi. And you still need Kawhi to miss shots and all that. But my gosh, digging turnovers out, forcing jump balls, staying in front of him. One time they didn't stay in front of him. He got the, the steal off Donovan, and he went 94 feet for a dunk. But they take away the easy stuff. You know, NBA stars, what are they going to shoot? 90, 95% on layups and dunks? Take it away! So, Bogdanovich with some defense. Jordan Clarkson on fire. Some big defensive possessions of his own. And the Jazz need it all to get out of their 117-111. So they're up 2-0. Question of the morning. How you feeling? Everybody feeling pretty good about being up 2-0. Some of you already borrowing trouble from the future. Wondering what's going to happen in the next two games in L.A. Is it going to get to 2-2? I thought the Clippers could win a game in, in Salt Lake. I thought it was more likely than not. I thought the series would probably be 1-1 right now. And I thought the, think the Jazz were good enough to win a game in L.A. And it'd be 2-2 coming back. And we'd have a long series. And now, dare to dream, Jazz fans. Get the split in L.A., wrap it up at home. Or, put on your jersey attitude. Channel PK. Sweep, sweep, sweep. Saturday night, game three. We'll get to all of that coming up in the next segment. we got David Locke here at 8 o'clock. Gordon Monson at 9 o'clock. More on the Jazz playoffs. Your take. Grab the open mic. Grab our app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your take. The earlier you do it, the sooner Yacht gets it on the air. He's going to get swamped by him later on. So you might as well do it right now, and we'll get it on the air in the next segment. Game three, tomorrow night, 6.30. Our coverage on the zone begins at 5.30. And for all you cord cutters, good news, it's the ABC game. It's over the air. You got your antenna? You're good to go. There's a lot of sports out there on free TV, and this will be one of the games. Of course, there's a lot of sports that isn't on free TV, too. But you get this one. This one's over the air on free TV. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Portis with the rebound. Wow, did they dodge one there. Giannis for three. Got it! Oh, my! Out to Holiday. No timeout. 15 seconds to play. The Bucks will play for one. Holiday to the rim. Scores! It's interesting that we, we lose a game because of our offense, but, uh, you know, it was just a tough game. We just didn't couldn't find our rhythm. Um, you know, a, a great opportunity for us to learn and grow from this. And uh, the defense was solid, though, but we got to clean it up both ends of the floor, but particularly offense tonight. That's Steve Nash. He's the Nets head coach, and he's right. That was weird. The Nets, who can score a lot of points, but they give up a lot of points too, suddenly defend like crazy but can't hit a bucket. And I know they're missing Harden. There's certainly enough shots of Harden on the bench over the course of a game. And I know they're missing Harden, but 83? Kids, this is what the 90s looked like. 86-83. Jazz once won a big game against the Bulls, and both teams were in the 70s in the finals. I'm liking the, the free flow on higher scores a little bit more, but this is old school. Brooklyn, 11 points in the first quarter. Yikes. 18 in the fourth. A long, long time ago, Frank Layden, when he was coaching the Jazz, said two in the teens, on the road, you lose. Well, Brooklyn didn't even get to the teens. They got stuck on 11. They need another bucket to get to 13, or 14, I suppose. They didn't even get there. Now, in the middle of the game, they scored it. They had 54 points in the middle half, if I can just make stuff up on the fly. In the second and third quarter, what we refer to as 
the middle half. They went for 54 points. A little more normal. Uh, Durant had 30 points, but he needed 11-28 shooting. He didn't really look like Kevin Durant until the end of the game. At the end of the game, they're tied, and Middleton and Durant are just trading buckets. There it is. Back and forth they go, and finally, Middleton missed on the third straight, and Durant hit, and he thought, well, all right, the Nets have done it. They were down 19, 30-11 after that big first quarter. And they fought their way back in the game, and now they got the lead, and now they're going to do it, and they didn't score again. It was 83-80, and the last six points of the game went to the Bucs. So congrats to the Bucs on grinding out a game. I don't think anybody really believes they're going to win the series. Maybe there's a couple people in Milwaukee who do. Durant manufactured a pretty good look considering all things at the end of that game. That was really desperation on the last yeah, last possession. He rimmed that, it out. I mean, that's the thing about being seven feet and you playing can, like you're six three and yeah. moving like you're six four and but you're seven feet, so you shoot over the top of everybody. You know, it's great defense. You're right there. I know you all get sick of us bringing up Magic Johnson all the time. But Cable TV was new, and Laker games were on prime ticket, and for the first time ever, you got to watch every game. And you just saw it happen over and over. Magic would get defended well, or Magic would get double teamed, and he'd just stand up and look over the top of the 6'2 guys and make a great play. Now, Durant does the same thing at seven feet. A couple 6'6 guys defend him, and he just rises up and shoots right over him. So, Irving had 22 points, but he needed 22 shots. So... You shoot 36%, and you don't have James Harden, who might have gotten you easier shots. I think everything Jazz fans are saying about missing Conley right now, if he was there, that bad run wouldn't happen. You might be right. But he isn't there, so it did happen. And I think it's the same thing with Harden. If Harden weren't there, that wouldn't happen. Probably wouldn't have, but since he's not there, I don't know what to tell you. Bucks avoid 3-0. Nobody's ever come back from 3-0 in the NBA, so they're 2-1 now. Tonight, we'll find out if Denver can get to 2-1 or if they're going in the 3-0 hole. Suns and Nuggets, that's actually the second game of the doubleheader. Sixers-Hawks, 5-30 on ESPN, that series is tied 1-1. Suns-Nuggets, Phoenix is up 2-0, that game's at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Sin City is the spot, Vegas, what a sports town. They got hockey, they got the NFL. They got the new and improved, bigger, batter, better Las Vegas ball with the SEC and the Pac-12. They got the USA basketball men's and women's national team holding training camps in Las Vegas in July. They'll play seven exhibitions there against other Olympic-bound national teams as well. The men's camp, led by Greg Popovich, will open on July 6th. What do you think? Practices will routinely be at, like, noon. Guys will be done by 3 there's time to go golf. Sounds about right. Get a nice meal. Hit the table. See a show. Roll those dice. Play practice those cards. Practice second time at 7. Negative. Negative. Negative on the practice second time at 7. Film work is for coaches and losers. <laughs> you have to be one or the other. Possibly you have to be both. Gamble. Until the sun comes up, go get your rest. You don't have practice till noon. Greg Popovich will be leading the men's team. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL.
In terms of the trade talks, I think anytime you play professional sports, there's always a possibility of something happen, right? And I think that's just the reality. I think that there's a lot of teams out there that people were saying that I was going to or would go to. I requested a trade. I did not request a trade. Um, I've always wanted to play here, um, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, uh, I think calls were getting thrown around and this and that, and I think that's just a reality. Um, <laughs> but I think at the end of the day, the, the real reality is that I'm here, and I'm here to win, and I'm here to win it all. That's Russell Wilson right there, trying to put all the offseason drama behind him. You know, I, I think this stuff happens, and it just depends on if it gets out or not. I didn't request a trade, but my agency put out a list of teams I'd be happy to go to. People get mad. They blow their stack. How public does it go? And the public doesn't... On the one hand, we don't really want to see it. We don't want to see the guys whining and crying all the time. But, you know, every once in a while, a little drama. We like it. We like our soap operas. I follow a Twitter feed, Old Time Football. And they've got clips, if you haven't seen it, they got clips, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, old time. It's a very loose definition of old time football. You know, you might see Aikman's Cowboys at one point, right? And yesterday I saw a thread with highlights from uh, Montana and the Niners. I was going to say, they've had John Brody from the Right, Niners. and then they've had guys in uh, black and white that either I haven't heard of or maybe I've heard Otto of. Graham. Yeah, right? Old school. Uh, yesterday, they had a clip I had never seen before, and I had no idea about this. And it was all a clip of about the Air Coriel Chargers, right? Those are my guys. I'm a kid growing up in San Diego. Dan Fouts is telling Kellen Winslow not to tiptoe. Now, and they were, they're both, in, I mean, these are Hall of Famers, right? And they, they led a lot of good teams to playoffs, never to the Super Bowl, the playoffs. But Fouts is mad telling Winslow, and it's a long back and forth, but the ultimate lining works up to is, and they're on the field. They're in the middle of the game on the sidelines screaming at each other with Fouts mic'd up. Don't tiptoe out of a break like a Jerry Sloan's favorite word. Not the big one. Mommy in the big one. And he's just screaming it at him. People blow their top. It happens. And Winslow just screams back at him. Get yourself a new tight end. I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounded like a trade demand if somebody hears it. And then Fouts tell him, I will. Guys blow their tops, so it sounds like Russell Wilson put it behind him. Now, Aaron Rodgers apparently you know, hasn't put it behind him. So we got drama over there. We got drama in Houston. Houston quarterback may want to go to Denver. And then we got Sean McVay uh, talking about Matthew Stafford. We you know, traded Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford in the offseason. I think I've been very happy. Everybody says, man, you seem like you're in a better mood this offseason. I said, you're damn right I am. So now all of that's taken as a shot at Goff. Well, the shot at Goff is that they traded him. They didn't want him anymore. Of course, he's happier. Do I want this quarterback? I'd rather have that quarterback. Let's do a trade. So the, the insult's the trade. Now him saying he's in a good mood? He's a football coach. It won't last. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. College football 12-team expansion proposal. We've heard about it, and it seems we heard it was in the lead, and now as this committee turns it over to a bigger group and it works its way up the food chain. Four people to 11 people. Exactly. So the working group hands it over to the committee, technically. That's next week. The subcommittee to the committee. And they're sticking with us. 12 teams floated the trial balloon in public to see if it would go over really poorly, and it didn't, so they're sticking with it. For the best, so you're going to have six, the highest-ranked conference champions. The six highest-ranked conference champions which I think is going to lead to a change in championship games. I think we're done with divisions. It's over. You can't risk it. 
You can't risk missing out on the playoff because the guys over here who are eight and four and won a division force four turnovers and win the conference title game on a last second field goal. Even though everybody knows they're not the better team. And they beat the 11-1 or 12-0 top five team. You can't risk it. So it's going to be the Big Ten model. Or excuse me, the Big 12 model. They have 10 teams. It's so confusing. I keep screwing that up. I think you've got to go to championship games now. You've got to. If you if they introduce this playoff and you even go one year, you deserve all the bad things that happen to you. Forget the divisions, top two teams. Now maybe the Pac-12, since we're talking about the Utes here locally, maybe the Pac-12 goes to uh, stays with the buys on what used to be the old divisions. So you get to play the teams you're closer to. The Oregon and Washington schools should not be skipping each other. That's just a horrible idea. Scheduling can be arranged. Yeah. Exactly. But you can't have divisions. You have to have the top two teams so you get your best-ranked teams so you get somebody in. Because this past season, you let in a second-place team in Oregon who then, because Washington, the first-place team, had COVID stuff going on, and they beat the first-place team in the South, USC, and the Pac-12 wouldn't have had a team in. Now, this was bizarro year, so you don't expect that again. But there will be a conference that gets caught short with an 8-4 and team winning a conference title. So they're going to put in six conference champions, and they're going to put in the next six best teams according to the rankings. So a group of five team is guaranteed a spot. Maybe they'd be two, but they're guaranteed a spot. So showing it on the TV right now on ESPN. So Coastal Carolina last year, in addition to Cincinnati, would have made it into the. Man, that would have stung BYU if Coastal Carolina was in. Oh yeah. Yeah, but that that. But gives, they would have been in. They would have been the access team in. for more teams from different right. conferences. And that's the thing is, this is political. It's a committee. It's going to be a vote. There's going to go to a full body. There's going to be a vote. Or conference commissioners a vote. And now, if you want my vote, you got to give me something. Well, the SEC's like, there's going to be six at large bids. Oh, we're getting three teams in this tournament every year. And you know what? We might get four at some point. Ha 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 ha! We vote yes. Meanwhile, the Pac-12 is like. Man, we got to clear that bar. The group of five teams like, oh, yeah, finally. This is why we didn't do what all you losers said and go start our own playoff. We're finally going to get in the big boy tournament. So there's something for everybody. I'm sure the Big Ten's thing and then get three teams in at some point. Just answer questions for BYU fans as it stands. I'm working up to you that. There? Okay, go ahead. Go, go ahead now. You and your little podcast. Go I ahead. say Notre Dame and BYU as independents now cannot be a top four seed under the current proposal. But okay, they, way to lump BYU in there. Was BYU really on the verge of being no, a top they're four not. seed? Okay, Notre Dame. Probably Notre Dame has been. There are examples yeah, of where Notre but, Dame would have been top four, but now they get a home game. Yeah, but it was funny to see Notre Dame actually kind of cast themselves out of that in a way. Okay, Notre Dame just had their sellout streak broken. I know. They're... And so it's harder to sell tickets. And they did expand from sixty to 80000 when everybody else is downsizing, sure. right? So now you're going to buy your Notre Dame season tickets in case they host a playoff but game. But Swarbrick is on that working group and actually kind of put his team and said, hey, and you know what? He just sold a lot of season he tickets. Did. He did. Follow the money. PK's not here right now, but if he were, he'd be, Yuck, how many times have I told you to follow the money? Follow the money trail. My mom said money loves money. That's why my aunt married the president of Nabisco. All right, more on this coming up. Hit us up on Facebook. we got questions up on Facebook about what you think about this college football playoff. You want to weigh in on what you think it means for the Utes and the Cougars. Uh, one anonymous college football coach has already seen, well, it means more blowouts and more ass kickings in the playoffs. Yep. The semifinals have been blowouts. You get a quarterfinal game with a one or two seed, 50-something to 10. It's coming.
All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Ostadio at first and the pitch. A swing and a fly ball. Left center field and deep. Back it goes. Deep it goes. Twins win. Twins win. Keller making his 12th start. He has really struggled with walks this year. And he gives one to Mookie Betts, who hammers one to center field. Going back, it is gone. one nothing. A leadoff home run for Mookie Betts, the 25th of his career. And the pitch. And Tom hits it high in the air to right field. Not very deep. Mookie Betts over toward the line, makes a catch. Spins, throws. Gonzalez to the plate, and he is out. Oh, what a throw by Mookie Betts. He guns down Eric Gonzalez, trying to score the go-ahead run. Mookie Betts having a game. Home run, highlight reel, double play, throwing a guy out at home plate. Dodgers beat the Pirates 6-3. to three. Giants got hit by the weather. Their game postponed. Padres were off. So in the wild, wild west, picking up a little ground right there. Uh, what else we got? Oh, J.D. Martinez going deep. I think that's 13 for him now. 13 on the year, yep. yep. Red Sox beat the Astros 12-8, to eight, the final score there. And the Twins, two-run, ninth-inning homers. Josh Donaldson, Nelson Cruz getting past the Yankees, 7-5. Bees open a six-game series with Albuquerque with a 7-4 win. Game two in the series tonight at Smith's Ballpark. First pitch at 6-30. Listen to the game here on The Zone Network with Steve Klauke. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, PK is going to join us in the next segment. Get his thoughts on the Jazz. Now up 2-0, halfway to win in the series. Heroes. I think there are many. See how many PK thinks there are. And uh, look ahead to Game 3 Saturday night with him. And then also college football playoff. This is just a massive change, going from 4 to 12. Uh, the year the Utes lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game two years ago, they were 11th after that loss, so that would have been their first trip to the college football playoff. And they're going to stack the bowls so that the higher-seeded team gets to play in the traditional bowl home of your conference. Now, that would have been Oregon at 6. So either Oregon, well, I don't know if the Rose Bowl is going to be a quarterfinal. Let's we'll see how that works out. So the Utes wouldn't have been in the Rose Bowl. Maybe they would have been in the Fiesta. Or maybe they would have been shipped across the country to play somebody. Well, they would have had to play on campus in, a, in an opening round game as a visiting team. So, All right. We'll talk with PK College Football and Jazz Playoffs next. Right now, Andrew Reinhardt joins us, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, good morning. Hey, how you doing today? Good. Doing what? Well, when you're doing sports talk radio in a town that has an NBA team and doesn't have the NFL, and doesn't have Major League Baseball, and said team wins a playoff game, it's kind of a big morning, Andrew. Doing good, doing good. That is excellent. All right, Andrew. You've been on before. You're going to deliver a somewhat similar message. You always have a little new info or a little twist or something on that. But the question is, why do you have to keep coming back? And it's, well, because guys are hesitant. And there's always people who didn't have an issue a while ago, and now they do have an issue. But I think the bigger question is, why are people hesitant, and why do they finally decide all right, I'm going to go to Wasatch Medical Clinic. I don't really want to do it, but I think I really need to go. Why so hesitant, and what finally gets them in? in the, well, in the erectile, yeah, it's a great question. Erectile dysfunction is such a sensitive topic. Guys are embarrassed. There's a stigma, and that holds them back. What happens? The relationship suffers. Guys take more and more of the pill. And I think they finally realize 
this is the future of ED treatment. The acoustic wave therapy opens up and regrows blood vessels. Why would I continue taking a pill? Uh, I can get the spontaneity back. We have helped so many guys improve performance in the bedroom. We're kind of the pioneers on this technology. We have the two most powerful versions. So many guys have come to us and said, I wish I would have done it sooner. My relationship with my spouse has improved. I eliminated the pill. Ultimately, we all want natural function in the bedroom and spontaneity. That is what our technology can deliver. So you, you've kind of mentioned it there. Why do guys want to or need to stop taking the pill? Because obviously it's more private and whatever the embarrassment factor, it's handled a little easier by the pill. Yes, that's right. If you're out there listening and the pill is doing great, you have zero side effects, I'd say keep doing it. But if you're noticing that it doesn't work all that well, it's stopping, uh, the effectiveness is, is getting less, you're dealing with side effects, think about this. Two to three weeks from now, with just a few short 10-minute treatments, you could be done with the ED, done with the pill. We've had guys in their 60s say, I got back to function in the bedroom like when I was in my 40s. All right, you got a special offer today? We do. Call us now. We are open. I know it's early. We're answering phones. The initial screening and assessment with the doctor will be free. Great, uh, great time for you to ask questions, see if you're comfortable with the clinic. We'll do a blood flow ultrasound free. You get a very popular gift, produces immediate results in the bedroom. I've never seen it fail. And if you're feeling a little empty in the tank, new patients get free testosterone. It's a ton of value. You can call us now. It's totally no charge. Call 801-901-8000. Ask for the free offer right now. 801-901-8000 is the number for the Wasatch Medical Clinic. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. The Utah Jazz. Donovan Spider Mitchell has been fantastic. The Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, a ninja. Catch every second of every moment of jazz basketball on the Zone Sports Network as Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert battle Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers for a spot in the Western Conference Finals. Your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes of Toast, brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but luxury is not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry Seiner Cadillac today. PK, 2-0, yeah. how you feeling? Oh, I feel so good, David James Stingledorf III. I have to say, jazz management is so shrewd. My only question now is do you bring Conley back next series or you just keep him out and get him fully healthy for the finals? Yeah, I'd say wait for the finals. Yeah. When it's 3-0, because I want him to be on the court for the final minutes. Okay. That's precisely what I was going to ask. Do you wait till you go back to Brooklyn for game three, or do you, and you just answered that, you wait till game four. Okay. Yeah. It's going (laughs) to suck winning the title on the road. There's always something to complain about. Well, that's what we're going to be complaining about. Uh, you, you know, the refs in the league and David Stern and Larry O'Brien, those guys, they'll want to extend the series. So it'll probably go five. <laughs> so you're right. Uh, nice. Good call. 
Always underrated by the conspiracy theorists. The money's in the long series. The money isn't in what team's in it. There's way more money. Games five, six, and seven. Just sell more trucks, people. More soda, more beer, more insurance, more whatever. Yeah, but they know this year the season's gone on a little longer in terms of calendar-wise. We already heard yesterday they're going to get back to the traditional calendar. So they'll probably want to get it done in five, and then what? We'll we'll have the parade. I think the quandary is the seeing how the thing falls is, you know, when they come back, what do we do? Because we can't have the parade on Sunday, you know, for, for, you know, obvious reasons. A two-part parade. One parade on Saturday, one parade on Monday. No, see that that's you're already you're already dividing the community. You know, have one one for them, one for you. You know, we don't want to do that. Twenty nine parades, one in every county. Are there twenty nine counties in Utah? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're I'm here for well your civics right class. I'm here for the civics okay. class. Let's go. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I'd have to figure out. I, there's no way I've been in all the counties. Uh, I I only know that because uh, I had to volunteer when my kids were in elementary school and they had the state map painted on the playground and uh, the kids had had counted it up. (laughs) If you have that, if you have to volunteer, are you volunteering? That's an excellent point. And the answer is no. (laughs) It's like, you know, if you're forced to pay your tithing, are you really paying your tithing? Uh Yeah. Or are you being extorted? A debate well, for another no. day. <laughs> Let's debate the greatness of the Jazz. There and it is, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mike, I think we need to go hockey on this game. You grew up, uh, you grew up back in Jersey with not one, not two, but three hockey teams, and they in their post game shows always do the three stars of the game, right? So if you had to do uh-huh. the three stars of the game, Donovan would be the first star. I mean, it, it's about the points and thirty seven. He took control of that game early and set a tone and. And he said he did it on purpose because he got off to a slow start and he played poorly in the first half of game one and they were in a hole and it's hard work battling back. And they did, but he didn't want to risk having to do that again. So he took control early, he said. So uh, and, and that was huge. And it did set a tone and all that stuff. And they had the 21 point lead and weathered the storm. But you have a fine eye for the sport of basketball, PK. Who would you give the second and third stars to? Well, if you're just going to look at the box score, you'd go to Clarkson and, and Joe. I mean, unusual that the Jazz had zero points off the bench from anybody, not everybody, not named Clarkson. Now, the bench is depleted to an extent because Mike's out and Joe has to step up. And Joe obviously did. So if you look at those three, but I mean, I always look at Rudy Gobert. He's the depoy for a reason. And he's one of those dudes that affects winning. And you want guys who are committed to winning. Uh, you know, Donovan was talking about any means necessary. I, I use the phrase at all costs, basically, because I put it in that all costs refers to what's going on out on the floor and what you need to do to get yourself ready off the floor. So the great thing about it is that, you know, I can't discount O'Neal and Bogdanovich and all, pretty much a team effort, which is what you need. Clippers are good. I mean, they've got some talent. Paul George, in my mind, He's quieted the critics. And, and even if his shooting percentage is under 50% or whatever it might be, I, I think he's playing very well. I, I think that he's elevated his game and he's got a great attitude. And, and I've already spoken about his body that he has. I think it's the prototypical NBA body. So when you're playing a team like the Clippers, and we saw it when they got down by 20, that they came back. Man, this is a quality team. I really think you need everybody. 
I think Mitchell is extra, extra special. I've been saying it now for weeks. I said, for, and you can back me up, I you said did. that th- this is going to be his time to really break out. And who, do, who said it last night uh, while watching the broadcast? A burgeoning star. Okay, I get where the folks who don't watch this kid every day like we do would say burgeoning tar- star. But I'm going to correct it each time I hear it. No, he already is. He's a burgeoning superstar if you want to take it up to another level. I can live with that. But I already think he's on that plateau. And you know who backs you up on that on the ABC broadcast, and people want this out of the national media, the former uh, Duke star who's been doing TV and is really pretty good at it, Jay Williams. Uh, and he said he said that very thing. He says, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't say that he's, he's becoming a star. He is a star. He's there. He's a ride. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But he wanted to get past the becoming. He is. He's arrived. It already yeah. happened. Well, that's a go look and see where Jay is from. You might want to check where his home state Louisville, was. Kentucky. Uh, so go ahead and check and see where Jay is from. But I'm checking, uh, yeah, yeah, it, that, that, that's a fact, man. And to set to set the tone, to be a tone setter for the game was just absolutely brilliant. There's no question about that. I mean, he was so awesome early, and allowed. Everybody to take a breath. Okay, we're not going to struggle like we did. We're not going to come close to missing 20 shots. You could feel it in the arena. And then Jordan comes in. He hits a couple threes early. Everybody relaxes at that point. And Joe, it was only a matter of time for Joe. Come on. Everybody knew that, didn't we? That's not a surprise. It was going to happen. Yeah, I don't like the narrative he always sucks in the in the playoffs or he sucked in this whole playoff. If you just go look at a box score, he shot the lights out in the first two games against Memphis. He had to have the game three and cool down because he doesn't shoot 60 or 70% from the floor and 50 or 60% from three. He's going to have a game or two. Now, he had four games in a row where he didn't shoot the ball well. I'll totally sign off on that. And but, they that won. Just, but that means he's going to bounce back because he's also not, just like he's not a 70% shooter, he's not a 28% shooter. So he's going to have a big game. And then when they got confused and let him just walk into a wide open three with a game on the line, well, thanks for that gift. Unwrap that gift. Stick that shot. Yeah. You know, I, uh, and by the way, Jay Williams, Plainfield, New Jersey. <laughs> Who knew, huh? <laughs> ah, I, I knew to get. I was. I didn't think Jersey. I was thinking it's going to be New York or Kentucky because there's a tie no. to Donovan, and I just guessed wrong. So no, no, no. I mean, he's smart. That's what I'm saying. He knows how to talk. <laughs> ah, right. No wonder he's got this TV career. He's still only it's 39. It's in the water, my friends. There it is. How else to explain it? Hey, the one guy I thought deserved a mention for the three stars, and I thought you'd go to him. You forget the X's and the O's. Forget the stats. You want to see heart. You want to see people grinding. You thrive on competition. You've told us all these things. I was sure you were going to go to Bojan Bogdanovic. He came in with a rep as a bad defender. As a guy, remember the game he had? His box score was thirty-five million because he had thirty-five points and zero rebounds and zero assists and zero steals and zero blocks. And so they're giving a hard time for that. And I thought he battled Kawhi Leonard. Now over time. At some point, Kawhi Leonard is going to get him, right? But the game was on the line, and Kawhi Leonard couldn't get him. So props to Bojan for going out there and defending, and Joe was laughing about it. Yep, next year, Quinn's going to have him picking up 94 feet every game, all season, 82 times, and Joe was laughing maniacally. But I thought, I thought Bogdanovich on defense, that was one of the bright spots of the game. 
I'm absolutely fine with that. But you asked for three. I know. Not not four. I know. And so, so I was making you choose. And I thought he's going to give up one of the guys who score to get that competitive fire in there. Because you're right. Three is arbitrary. And there were more than three guys who played well and contributed to the win. So you're going to have to leave somebody out. But I did think that that was... That was pretty inspiring. That's the kind of thing that gets me fired up watching games. Like, I, I want to see the unexpected. And Jordan Clarkson finding a groove is not unexpected. <laughs> you know, he's done it too many times. But Bogey d up Kawhi Leonard with the game on the line, possession after possession. And they had a stretch there. The Clippers missed like seven, eight, nine shots in a row. I don't know what it got to. Uh, they were marking it on TV. They were mentioning it. And I, it, it was a pretty long stretch. And the game was on the line. They'd taken the lead. They'd wiped out 21 points and gotten up 101-99. And then they hit this cold spell. And I thought Bogey was good in the middle of that stretch. There's no question. I just think J.C.'s role becomes elevated now because Joe has to slide into mm-hmm. the starting lineup so the bench becomes weaker. Yeah. And you need something. And he gave them. He was literally the only one who scored. And it wasn't Derek Favors is one of his better games for whatever reason. And I thought that Quinn was good to tighten it up because yeah. uh, they didn't get that much many, many opportunities uh, from the bench guys. So Clarkson was he was needed even more so. And he's always needed, obviously, but because of the situation. And Joe has a breakout game. You already spoke about that three. Love that shot. The crowd loves him. There's. Uh, there's never been a role player who's connected with the crowd and the community like Joe Ingles has, uh, really. I mean, you put Hornacek there, but uh, Joe, I think, has a deeper connection there. Now, Jeff was probably a better player, but Joe's connection. So when he makes that shot, everybody goes berserk. So you got that. And, of course, you got Donovan Bogdanovich. Absolutely, man. I don't necessarily need your scoring. I need you. And Quinn talks about this all the time. And he did it on the uh, on-court interview about the uh, defensive intensity that they need. And for two games anyway, and it's only two, Clippers aren't in any they, – they were down 0-2 going on the road, so there's no need for them to be in panic mode now, 0-2 going home. It's clear to me that they need – Leonard to increase his scoring in order to win because that's where they may be a little bit uh, deficient. And I was surprised at some of Ty Lue's lineups. You know, Kennard only got that one three uh, and owns his only FGA. And obviously he's been shooting the ball well. So I thought they would have had some more opportunities there, but they didn't. But I do want to caution also that, you know, this we're, we're joking about the parade and resting Mike and all that stuff. And that's all it is. It's nothing but a joke because it's great to be up 2-0. It's the best you can be. But this potential for the series being a long one is still very much alive. Well, they've won by three and they've won by six. So they're up 2-0 and you only have to win by one. You don't have to win by 21. None of that matters. But look at some of the shots they've hit. And are these shots going to keep going in? Donovan Mitchell in game one has a couple shots. I mean, I always say use the whole rim. That's what it's there for. But, you know, rim, rim, backboard, rim, rim, and in. And he did that twice early in the game. That's six points and a three-point win. And how about Clarkson banking in a three? He wasn't banking that three in. Nobody does that. Nobody in the NBA does that. There may be some... 60-year-old dude playing in some gym somewhere who, you know, playing old man basketball who does it. But NBA guys don't do that. That was a lucky break. And Joe made a layup off the top of the backboard. I mean, he, he had a shot blocker going at him. So I get, throw it up quick and throw it up high off the glass. And high off the glass is your friend. That's that skill, that strategy, that's basketball IQ. But not that. I was not say, off that's the as, top. That's as high as it can but go. But I get why he did it. He had guys jumping at him, and he didn't have much of an angle. Throw it up high, and you might catch a break. 
Well, that is as high as you can go and as good a break as you can catch. So that's five points and a six-point win. Well, what if the Clippers are hitting those shots and you're not? That's a 10-point swing. I don't, I don't remember anything the Clippers hit that was super lucky, and I'm totally with you on uh, on Kennard uh, because he had it going in Game 1 and gave them a, list, a lift, and I thought the play he scored on was drawn up really well. You get the matchup so Rudy's on him. You send him to the corner, and then you drive at Rudy, and it's like, okay, if you come to block my shot, I think Paul George did it. I'm either going to get this layup, or if you come to block my shot, I get to throw the ball on an easy pass to the short corner for a corner three. It's one of the easier passes in the NBA. I thought, you know, Ty Lue or whoever assistant drew it up, whatever, the staff, they nailed it. And I thought, well, the Jazz are going to get a steady diet of that. And then they didn't. Right. It didn't make any sense to me. I thought that was brilliant. It was like, oh, that's the problem with this. You know, if they go small and what they do to Rudy and then they didn't have to face it again. So, right. And all those things are all possible. This I'm still I'm not breathing easy. It's great to be up 2-0 for a couple of reasons. Just a simple fact, you're up 2-0. Phoenix is up 2-0. And so you want to be on the same schedule if you have the opportunity to face them, if that's what it turns out to be. And that'd be awesome. We'd all sign up for that. I have. uh I have some family in town, and so from from, from Phoenix, obviously, because that's where my my immediate family is. And my brother-in-law is looking at me. He says, "So, Phoenix, Utah, what's it going to be?" <laughs> I looked at him. I said, "Paycheck." <laughs> and he said, "What?" And my sister is sitting right next to him. He said, "Paycheck." <laughs> She's from Jersey. He's not apparently. <laughs> Precisely. They met in Arizona. <laughs> she knew. She knew what you were getting at. He's rooting for the paycheck. Yeah, left unsaid is you dumb bleep. <laughs> <laughs> it was all in the tone. Oh yes, the tone. If you think I've got a harsh tone, you should see them. Holy! Oh cow. my gosh, I have to hang out with them at some point. This is awesome. <laughs> They'll just crack me up. I want to hear all go. the stories of young PK. You know they got them, and you know they want to rat you out. All right, real quick because Yak's uh, making us go to break here. But real quick, uh, college football playoff. 12 teams. Looks like the, the four-man group floated as a trial balloon. It accidentally, on purpose, got out. There was no hue and cry about this major change to football's postseason, so now they're pushing forward. It goes from this working subcommittee to the, uh, the full committee. It sounds like it's going to happen. You like it? It's going to be a radical change. On-campus playoff games. Uh, yeah, I like it in theory, but uh, I have an opportunity to further bury the Pac-12 if they're not up to snuff. And obviously I have Pac-12 bias because I just see the door open for those other conferences for sure so the rich get richer. So I'm a little nervous. The Pac-12 needs some teams to emerge because uh, to me it's an exclusive party now, so I don't obsess about it. I think it's overrated against the Pac-12, but if they extend it to 12, and then you're still not having anybody in or you're still not having anybody, you're all out in the first week, then it, it, it really accentuates the gap. So I'm a little nervous about that. Yeah, I, I'm, and you could get shut out. I don't think they will. But I think the second thing you say, like your team gets in but still can't get to the semis and is getting knocked out in the first round or the quarters, right. Right. that is a problem and that is – a real there is a real likelihood of that and I'm also curious because the semifinal games have been really bad so are we just setting ourselves up for really bad quarterfinals seems like we are uh, okay but I mean there's a slew of bowl games whatever more football 
is better as far as I'm concerned, particularly obviously during the football season in which it would be played at that time of year, because for us anyway, it's not 75 degrees out. So if I have an opportunity to watch more football, if the game sucks, well, then I can turn it off and do something else. But I want the opportunity to watch it. I think the Bulls will still work for the G5 teams because only be one or two getting in and they don't tend to have as many NFL guys who are as likely to opt out. Uh, so it'll still work for them. Could hit the Bulls that are dependent on Power 5 teams. A, uh, you're going to have at least 10 or 11 teams in the playoff who aren't going to these big bowls. And you're going to have 20 teams that aren't eligible because somebody's got to lose, right? So it gets pretty thin there with the opt-outs in the bowls. This could be the death of a few bowls. But I don't think it'll be the the Bahamas Bowl or the Boca Raton Bowl. You know, I think this is the kind of thing that's going to hurt the Vegas Bowl and the Sun Bowl and whatever we're calling the bowl game in San Francisco. We need bottom feeders. In other words, we need teams like the University of Arizona. There it is. There it is. All right, more on this when we don't have a playoff game. We'll get back to this later. Uh, PK, I know you got the family in, so enjoy the day, and uh, we will talk to you again on Monday. All right, good. See you guys. All right, see ya. Jazz beat the Clippers 117-111. We got a lot of feedback from you on the playoff and on the basketball. We'll get to that next, and David Locke's here at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. The Utah Jazz. Donovan Spider Mitchell has been fantastic. The Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, a ninja. Catch every second of every moment of jazz basketball on the Zone Sports Network as Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert battle Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers for a spot in the Western Conference Finals. Your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. Question of the morning. We got two of them. One about the college football playoff. One about... Uh, the Jazz and the playoff series. They're both up on Facebook. They're both up on Facebook yesterday. Uh, put them out on Twitter this morning. And for those of you who then complain about, well, where's the one for the other one? Did you know there was a playoff game? Oh, come on, people. There's two questions. Follow along. You can do it. I know you can do two things at once. You're a talented audience. You can do more than one thing. Everybody feeling pretty good about being up 2-0? And Joe Hood says, I'm very concerned about Donovan. I know what he says, but you look pretty shaken up after that hit. Uh, I don't think you're alone, Joe. And I think the key here is what PK just referenced about how quickly can you wrap up the series. Now, I know mathematically you can wrap it up 4-0. I would still find that uh, surprising. These two games have been close. They've been in Utah. The Clippers are going to be at home and more desperate. They aren't going to have to deal with the elevation. The Jazz have caught some breaks some some shots that have gone in. It's about time the Clippers, you know, that stuff tends to even out. Uh, but can you wrap it up in five? That seems doable. Four seems, I just, I know four could happen, but it just seems greedy to talk about. And honestly, maybe a little dumb. Not that I haven't ever said anything dumb on the air before. Five, though, getting the split and coming home and winning. And I just think, regardless of keeping up with Phoenix, and there's something to be said for that, but regardless of whether Phoenix wraps their series up in four, five, or six, or it goes seven, or whatever. Denver was down 3-1 twice last year. Now they're down 2-0. Of course, they had Jamal Murray last year. They had more firepower. Uh, But regardless of that, I just think that Donovan, 
either banging knees or re-injuring that ankle, whatever it was. He didn't want to get into it. Uh, we know Bogey rolled his ankle. That was obvious. Coming down on Cousin's shoe. That looked bad. And we know Mike Conley's got a bad hamstring. So the faster you wrap this up, the more off time you have, regardless of whether Phoenix has the same amount of off time or less, the Jazz could just use some downtime. So I'm with you there, Joe. Uh, most of the people tweeting in are very happy about the 2-0, but Joe's, Joe's got some worries. All right, speaking of people who have worries, Andrew Reinhardt is here. He can't fix all your problems, but uh, there's one specific problem he can help with. Right, Andrew? Yes. If you are experiencing some frustrations in the bedroom, worried about that, we can certainly help at Wasatch Medical. In fact, we've probably helped more people with acoustic wave therapy than anybody. We have the two versions that basically use pressure waves gently open up the blood vessels in this part of the body. Uh, If you're struggling with ED, you probably have damaged blood vessels and restricted blood flow. That's one of the leading causes. That's what our treatments repair. And the big attraction is, guys, ditch the pills, no injections, no surgery. Our Cambridge study said that three weeks of treatments, not all that long. Uh, Maybe, let's see, what's the date? End of June, you could be done or very close to it with these treatments, get rid of the erectile dysfunction, and get that normal intimacy level back. you got to talk to our fans in language to understand, Andrew. You say end of June. What you mean is during the conference finals. Yes, during the conference finals. There you go. Now you're talking. Ready ready to go after that. (laughs) Now you're talking the language of the people. Uh, I've asked you about this before, Uh, and I just think when you find out Cambridge University is studying you, uh, man, <laughs> it's like, all right, we're pushing all the chips to the middle of the table now. What are they going to say? Yeah, that's right. And in Cambridge, plus there's 40 others. One study said this is the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. So I think the pill may fade into something of the past. Eventually, it's going to take a while. But when you talk about repairing blood vessels and improving blood flow, no side effects, spontaneity, uh, that's going to get some attraction. And Cambridge, of course, they posted a very positive clinical study. So you got a special offer right now to help people out. We do. Uh, The first step in reversing your erectile dysfunction is a doctor's exam, a screening. It only takes about 30 minutes. He'll also do a blood flow ultrasound. Pretty cool. It's all no charge. And by the way, there's no obligation to do treatments. You can come in and just take the free if you want. Uh, Also, a little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. You'll love it, I promise. And new patients get free testosterone. So we've got a lot of value today. You can call us now. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000 is the number for Wasatch Medical. 801-901-8000. Ask for the free offer. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. When we come back, David Locke, radio voice of the jazz on game number two. Stay with us. David Locke's weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David Locke joining us now. David, good morning. Good morning, David James. What time did you get to bed? Uh, About 2 a.m. actually. (laughs) (laughs) I got 2.30 on me going right now. Nice nice of me to say I do this interview at 8 o'clock this morning. (laughs) Good idea. Good plan. Not really. Didn't think that all the way through. No, I actually did because I have a 10 o'clock meeting, so I knew I had to do Locked on Jazz afterwards, so I actually did think it through. So. There it, it is. Loud, though. Guess what I get to do today? 
uh, prep for Game 3 tomorrow night. I'm so excited. It's way better than that. Oh. You're golfing with Jack Nicholas. I'm getting out of the airplane and going to Los Angeles. There it is. He's back on the road, baby. And I could not be more thankful to our organization and the people involved to respecting the job of broadcasters and the ability to tell the story to the fans by being in the arena. They did not have to do this, and the league said they could if they wanted to, but there was no mandate from the league. This was a jazz decision, and I could not be more thankful uh, for our organization. Um, Okay, what did you see in the arena in Game 2 that most of us did not see uh, watching on TV? So the biggest one I saw in Game 1 was how much the Jazz, and I saw it again in Game 2, is how much the Jazz players talk to each other and how much the Clippers players don't. In Game 1, there was a moment where Luke Kennard got beat defensively, and I think he thought he was supposed to have help on the far side of the floor from our broadcast site. And while they were in the, after the play, you could see him, I think there was a foul, you could see him turn and take two steps like he's going to go ask someone about it and then decide not to. And they all went their five separate ways. Whereas if you watch the Jazz, even after the biggest plays, there's always side conversations going on. One of the early timeouts last night, there was uh, Donovan and Joe stopped outside, then Royce and Joe talked, and then Boyan and someone were talking while Quinn had pulled somebody off the side. Like this. So you notice that all the time. Um, Quinn coached portions of last night's game across half court. Um, and so you really can tell, you know, when a possession matters and things like that to him of when he's crossed over. Um, from an announcer standpoint, not a, I think that's what fans would think. From an announcer standpoint, calling the game, the biggest impact um, on your ability to call the game is as a play-by-play announcer, well, there's about 23, but um, one of the biggest impacts is that when a player shoots the basketball, I stay on the player. I see if it goes in, obviously, right? But it's like you're on the player, which you actually never realize until you try to call NBA games off a TV screen, is that the TV leaves the shooter and follows the ball. Rightfully so, right? And in a close-up version. So all those reaction shots you see by a player are actually cutaways or replays afterwards, which is a radio announcer you actually can't use it. So... You know, when you can feel Donovan, how hot he is when he's backpedaling, you've seen it in the arena, right? Like when he or Boyan particularly will take a shot and they're starting to backpedal before they even, they, you know, they know it's going in. It also just lets you anticipate how you make your call. Like, you know, you can tell uh, if something's going to go in or not. So I think you can tell a much better story. I mean, the way I would describe it is as a radio announcer, I have a telescope in my and I'm deciding where I'm telescoping throughout the game. So sometimes it can be wide throughout the arena. Sometimes it can be down to the shoelaces of Jordan Clarkson's left shoe, right? Um, and depending on what I what I want at that moment. And when you call it off the screen, you've lost the ability to choose where it is and what it is. Did you find yourself surprised by Boyan Bogdanovich's ability to defend Kawhi Leonard possession after possession late in the game? In one sense, absolutely, because I, you know, he just did not, you know, last year we matched his minutes with Rudy Gobert every minute so that he was protected defensively. Um, he wasn't great this year either. So in one sense, and actually there was a point in time this year where teams hunted him 
Um, and it was concerning, like, oh, wow, like, you know, teams are choosing who they're going to go after. Um, so in that sense, yes. And the other sense, maybe not. And the reason I say that is because of two factors. Um, one, he's so big, right? So Kawhi's advantage is his strength and power more than his quickness. And Boyan matches that strength and power. Um, the other time Boyan's defense was thought of very highly was when his final year in Indiana, he guarded LeBron in the playoffs. He did a, treme- he did a tremendous job on LeBron in those playoffs. Um, and then the third reason that now that it's happening, I'm not stunned, is to actually go back and look at the career numbers of Boyan guarding LeBron since he's been in Utah. Um, I, don't, I haven't gone back to look at him since Indiana. I guess I could. Um, but uh, he's been really good, and he's actually bothered him quite a bit. So it's not a one-off day where item in which uh, Kawhi Leonard seems to be off. There actually might be a little something to uh, the size and power matching size and power. So we talk a lot about in, offense. In a, minute, in a minute or two, I'll pull those numbers up. But um, I decided to make an, a double espresso to do this interview um, and not turn on my computer. I will now turn on my computer. Okay, without the numbers, though, uh, we talk a lot about offense. But Quinn Snyder talked in the post game. You know, there's a lot of talk about fatigue. And I asked Quinn about that. You know, obviously, yes, they've been fatigued. But since they've won both games that are up 2-0, you can't argue, right? You got the wins. Guys are tired. Oh, well, you're 2-0. But is it sustainable going forward? Now, partly the decision's made for him because Conley's hurt, and Conley's minutes, me and he's getting a few of them, but they're largely being spread around um, on the players who are already playing pretty large minutes. So now they're playing huge minutes. But Quinn also went to the matchup, and he clearly is loving what Royce O'Neal is doing and wants him on the floor uh, when when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are out there, so do you think it's sustainable going forward? I mean, forty one minutes, and I think a lot of people on Twitter are saying, "Man, the team looks gassed now." When well, you got two guys playing thirty nine minutes and one guy playing forty one, they might be gassed at the end of the game. I think you people are all right, but do you think Quinn sticks with that? I mean, if Conley comes back, it makes his decisions easier. But if Conley isn't ready, can Quinn keep playing the team the way he's playing? No, I think if Conley comes back, those guys are still playing 41. He won't take any of their minutes. I mean, I, didn't, I haven't looked at last night, but going into last night, these are pretty interesting. Kawhi Leonard going into last night in his career when guarded by Royce O'Neal, 16 of 46. When guarded by Boyan Bogdanovich over the last two years, 6 of 17. Paul George, when guarded by... Uh, Royce O'Neal, um, over the last uh, two years, seven for twenty-four. Okay, uh, so Rudy. so O'Neal and Bogdanovich are going to keep playing the big minutes. Gobert at thirty-six was less outrageous because Favors has twelve. So if Conley comes back, he'll get the five minutes Mione played, but he'll probably take a little time from Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell, and those guys might look fresher. But the right. other guys are still going to play their big minutes. I think so. Okay. Hey, I want to congratulate Paul George. He matched his consecutive game streak for the season last night at nine. I mean, that's just an incredible accomplishment. A playing nine straight games? Uh-huh. That's the most he's played all year without a break. I... Kawhi Leonard played his ninth straight game last night also, 
And he once this year has played 12 in a row without a break. I thought Paul George was fine. I know there's a lot of playoff P and a lot of chanting in the arena. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, the shooting 8 of 18 isn't bad. 2 of 6, all 9 free throws. But Kawhi Leonard isn't getting to the free throw line. If he keeps scoring 21 points a game, are the Clippers going to win this series? I would think no. Well, so if if we want to talk about last night, um, big picture, let's back up a second. So we had the outlier shooting night last night. That's why we won. Right. Okay, we, we make or, make or miss leads. We made everything last night. Fifty one percent from three. Right. So that's why we won last night. We like thank you, lucky stars. Luck was on our side last night. The ball went in. Uh, I haven't looked at our ratings, but I'm sure it's one of our best shooting nights of the entire season off our our shot quality. You know, that's why we won. That that's not sustainable. That's the item that's not sustainable. This is this is very similar to what Dallas did in game two to the Clippers. They shot the lights out. They shot the lights out in game three and then lost, which was always my moment of like concern. I, in fact, I think last week we said that right on the show, you asked me about that. And I said, I'm pretty concerned about Dallas. They shot 51% from three in game three and lost. Like, Oh, that's a, like you actually, you're more, if that's what it takes you to lose, we have a problem. Um, so that's the story last night. Um, from the standpoint of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and I haven't looked at Paul George's shot chart last night, um, and I think he was a little more aggressive in, in the team, a little bit better than he was um, in the previous game. But he, if he's not getting to the rim, um, and last night he took four shots at the rim, he took four shots in the paint. So that's actually right about what he does. So he was much more aggressive um, going back. Th- then he his range is kind of eight of 18. Like, like he actually shot his kind of regular mm-hmm. night last night. Yeah. Um, maybe he makes one more three and he goes nine of 18, but he, he's not getting a shot chart that is allowing him. And Kawhi Leonard maybe is the same story that as of right now, is going to allow him to have the 18, you know, the huge night where he suddenly goes off for 35 or 40. And it feels a little bit like, the Clippers need that. Now, the reason it feels that way is because the Jazz shot 50-whatever percent from three. Um, so, I, I'm, you know, the Jazz shot had, like, really, truly one of the great shooting games of any team all season long. I don't think there's a lot of teams that have an effective field goal percentage of over 60% all year. That's really probably all we should be talking about. There are some things in last night's game that, that really have to be fixed or we actually don't win the series. Um, they were in transition about 20% of their possessions last night. We, they're not a transition team. Their instinct is to stay in half, but we cannot allow that to take place. We were in transition only 5% of our time. Again, it's great that we made a bunch of shots, but we, we really got stagnant and slow. So th- there's a bunch of parts of this game where we're, we should be really, we're really fortunate to have won that game. We played an incredible half-court offensive game and made a ton of shots and got the win, and we'll take it. And now, now go play a more real, you know, now go win in a manner that's, that's, you know, that's not the way we're going to have to win games. We're going to have to find a different way to win the next two. So I'm curious with the Clippers in transition, uh, sometimes you get transition off turnovers, sometimes you get it off missed shots, and then there's the most hideous one where you're getting transition buckets off made shots, which will irritate every coach ever. Uh, can you break down those transition hoops and how it was happening? Um, not entirely. How's that? Okay. Um, 
I'm looking at cleaning. I'm using the website Cleaning the Glass. Um, and I, uh, I mean, I think they turned every single live ball turnover into a fast break. Um, it seems as though, if I'm reading this right, they were in transition 37% of the time off of a live rebound, mm. which is really high, which is like really, really high. So it's all a problem, and that has to be that has to be changed. Yeah. So those, I mean, those are the yeah. Hey, we won, right? Be be really really excited. But like, if you're analyzing the game from and you know you're not just being hyped and you're being giving an analysis and looking at it like, okay, well, are we blowing them out of the series? Is this going to be a five game series? I don't. My, my initial take on the numbers don't see a five game series. Like I see the Jazz having got fortunate, gotten fortunate. The the thing I do see. Um, and I'm, I'm mes- there's two things I'm just mesmerized by in this series. So I, the Espresso finally kicked in, David. I'm ready to go now. All right. Um, the two things I'm totally mesmerized about, and I, I, the Clippers are so talented. I mean, each of their guys just has a resume that's, that's you know, somewhat through the roof. Even even their lesser players, you know, Reggie Jackson averaged 19 points a game at one point in time. was like borderline all-star in Detroit. You know, I don't love his game, but like he was. That's a fact. Um, and he was great last night. There, you know, Nicholas Batum was borderline All Star in Portland, thirteen years in the league. You know, max contract. Um, they're so talented that I think they rolled through the regular season with occasional effort or convenient effort. In other words, when they had to, they turned it on. Um, but if you watch them play, they're not playing with it focus on every possession or with an intention on every possession. And I think, you know, I th- clearly, you know, they're the third, second best offense in the league and like ninth best defense. Like they, this is, I think because of the fact that they didn't need to, um, when you watch the film, it costs them a lot because we play every possession with an intention. That's who, what the culture that has been built around this, franchises and we go back to the communication issue you know Royce and Donovan and Rudy and Joe have all played together for four years Derek's been a part of that for three of the last four years right Boyan's been now for two full years Jordan's a year and a half like these Mike's two years now like there's a connectivity to the Jazz and the way they play every possession with an intention that is very different than what I'm seeing out of the Clippers and I think that's determining the series as of right now. Like the two biggest plays to me of the entire series, there's many others, but, and then Donovan's an outrageous superstar right now. We cannot forget that is George Niang gets a wide open three in game one with three players pointing at it. No one's running to him. Three players are pointing at him. Like you go get him, you go get him, you go get him. And the same thing happens with Joe Ingles last night. Yeah. And to, and so to, I don't know if that's, convenient effort or occasional effort, or if it's the second thing. And this blows my mind. On two, if not three occasions last night, Tyrone Liu had a five-man lineup on the floor that had never played together. Never. Not like not in the playoffs. Not like not recently. Never. And I find that Bizarre. I think the bizarre. I think, I think it's really you've got to bizarre. try out everything in the regular season to be ready for the playoffs. You're trying stuff out in the playoffs. I, right. That's bizarre. I, right. And this whole idea that I play eleven guys and then whittle it down to nine. Like there's just there are some. He's got a championship. 
I'm a broadcaster, not a coach. Um, if I have learned anything from being inside of a coaching staff before, and fortunately, in, probably in, you know, seeing the inside workings of one of the elite coaching staffs in this league, everything's thought out, at least in the coaching staff that I've been on the inside of and seen, which is Quinn's. Um, but frankly, I was on the inside of Paul Westfalls in Seattle and really close with everyone there, too. And I was with it with Ann Donovan and the WNBA. These things are worked. I mean, there's a lot of effort that goes in. So it's, I, I'm very reluctant to sit here and pontificate about But it's I've never seen it before. So the you thing know? that if we're going to talk lineups, the thing that confused me and you'll remember this play. Paul George drives. Well, that ought to be, you know, the core of what you do is the Clippers, right? That's why you're paying Paul George. And they've got a smaller lineup on the floor and Rudy is matched up with Kennard. And they put Kennard in the corner uh, right in Paul's line of vision as he drives. It's an easy, short pass for him, right? So that's good. That's smart. That's Everyone's deployed properly. Gobert's got to choose, and he's like, well, I, can't let, I can't just let Paul George drive to the hoop and dunk. If he does that all night, we get beat, right? So he goes to challenge that. He can't get back out to the corner. Kennard puts a rainbow three in over stretched out Rudy. And I'm thinking, yeah, they ought to give the Jazz a steady die to that. That seemed pretty well drawn up. That was Kennard's only shot of the game. He never got that again. I, for the life yeah, I mean, of me, they, don't understand that. They went. They went to. They pulled. They did some drives where what they're doing. What you're doing there is the number one rule is you never leave the strong side corner. Right like in the league, the rule is you don't leave the strong side corner. So they forced, and there was a play. I mean, I think the three key plays of the game, uh, from the other side, that we, I shared the open threes would be late in the game. They did exactly what they wanted to do. They frankly did what we're daring them to do. Um, and they want this, and that is that they drove Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and Rudy came off of his man to protect the paint, and they kicked to Rudy's man in their small lineup for open threes. Um, I, I would debate the term open. I think when there's a guy with a nine foot seven standing reach sprinting at you, it doesn't probably feel that open. <laughs> um, and they missed all three. And I thought Rudy, on one of them in particular, um, in the right corner, was a case where Rudy left the strong side corner, which is like the biggest no-no ever, and clearly the Jazz had given Rudy the okay to do it. Um, and he cut off the drive, and then he actually, I thought, got back and altered the shot, which was one of the most amazing defensive plays I've seen out of him. Like, it'll, you know, no one will ever talk about it. It wasn't one of these John Morant blocks or something like that. But the idea that at seven foot two, you're so agile that you cut off an all-star's drive and then circle back to alter a three-point shot. And he actually did it then. That's one. This corner's actually shorter. He then did it two plays later where the guy was high quadrant left and he got out to it. And that, it was just amazing. Um, so those those plays, actually, if you go back to him, that's exactly what the Clippers want. Like, to their credit, to Tyler's credit, that's the – those are, and he said it afterwards. So like, those are the shots we're getting. Now, from our standpoint, like that's not Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, so maybe we're okay with it. But those are, this is the number one catch and shoot team in the league. That that would be the other one. I haven't looked at the numbers tonight, last night, but in game one, they got 29 catch and shoot threes. They averaged 25 on the season. They averaged 43 percent on those. They went 10 of 29. I kind of think they had another 10 of 29 catch and shoot three night last night. That's, again, way too many threes, catch-and-shoot threes allowed, and they're only hitting 10 now. When they get back in the building, they know they're going to make 15 or 18, and they're going to hit us. So I think this series, I think the Jazz is brilliant. I think Donovan, I don't know what we're watching. Like, I do not know what we're watching. He's only in his fourth year in the league. Like, you've got And he's arrived. Yeah, you, you he's have, arrived. I mean, there's a stat last night that 
we've won all six playoff games with them, and the only time someone's won six playoff games and scored this many points is Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. Like, I get scorings up, and some of these numbers are screwy right now, but that, like, tells you all you need to know. I mean, this is this is astronomical, what we're watching. And to watch it in someone's fourth year is completely unheard of. Unheard of. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have made more All-Star games than Donovan Mitchell's played seasons in the league. So last thing, because you touched on this and then you went to the Donovan Mitchell storyline, which is obviously a compelling storyline. But to the point you're pointing about, the Clippers missing open threes. Marcus Morris Sr. is one of 14 in this series from three. He's a better three-point shooter than that. Well, do you know what he is for the season on Cat? And I think, you know, he's he's taken a few off the bounce and he's terrible at that. Marcus Morris Sr. on the season, this is a pretty good sample size. 127 of 255 on catch and shoot threes. 50%. Yeah. Like, right. Like, that's. Now, hey, it's the playoffs and all these shots are a little different, but he's been a 50% three point shooter for like two years. Um, So. So watch Marcus Moore Sr. in game three and figure out if the Clippers, if he's hitting threes, the Clippers are going to get a boost. Right. I think that's, you know, again, like, I'm not trying to be like just. Be fired up, scream and yell, be crazy, be great. Like, don't be surprised if these games swing a tiny bit coming up here because, um, by the way, they were 7 of 21 on catch and shoot threes last night. So tip of the hat to the defense that that number's down to 21 or 20 where you want it to be. They were 7 of 21. Concerning on our end, we only got 13. All right, David, we got to run. We appreciate it, though. Thanks for joining us. You, You enjoy the trip. Yes, we do. Uh, bills to pay. And you enjoy the trip to L.A., and we will hear you 6.30 Saturday night, Game 3, and then Game 4 Monday night. If we were on a phone call, just the two of us, nothing else on our agenda, how long would the call go today? Oh, probably another hour. <laughs> I mean, ultimately you would say, dude, i got to jump. <laughs> That's that, how, that is, that that is, is exactly how it I, would that end. Is my, that is my phrasing. There's no question that that is my phrasing. Yeah. Okay. All right, thank you, David. All right, i got, I got to jump. Okay. There's David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Let's welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys, if you've been struggling with ED, Andrew is here. Breakthrough treatment that doesn't involve a pill, injections, or surgery. Injections or surgery. Yikes. That is not something, neither one of those you want to be using if you're struggling with ED. What we're finding is There's a lot of guys that maybe don't think they have erectile dysfunction, they're too young, but they're also not really happy in the bedroom. We have helped so many guys like this. Uh, More blood vessels, more blood flow. That's what our treatments, the WAVE therapy, can accomplish. 40 clinical studies showing this is effective at treating the actual root cause of ED. And you said it, uh, no pills. That means no side effects, and you get some of that spontaneity back into the bedroom. So what are the top causes of ED? We see uh, a lot of diabetes and prostate issues, but even further than that, it's damaged blood vessels, probably as we age, as we eat, uh, and restricted blood flow. ED is a blood flow problem, so we're actually treating the problem instead of just throwing pills at the symptoms and trying to mask the issue. You got a special offer for people who call you this morning. The number is 801-901-8000. Tell them about that. We do. Call us now and get the intimacy back. 
you can do the assessment, basically the approval process with the doctor that's done here in our clinic. Uh, by the way, Murray and St. George, so either one. Um, and he'll do a blood flow ultrasound. We'll do that totally free. You get a little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom, which you'll love. And uh, new patients get free testosterone. So a lot of value today. You can call right now at 801-901-8000. Call Andrew Reinhardt with the Wasatch Medical Clinic at 801-901-8000. The number for that free offer is 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. From The Athletic, he's our friend Sam Amick. Rudy Gobert gets his third Defensive Player of the Year. This was by far his best defensive year, and I thought it was cool that he was recognized for it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I voted for him. He continues to prove people wrong when it comes to the whole, if you switch him out on the perimeter, he's going to be like a baby giraffe. Those days are over. But beyond that, you got to account for the tremendous impact he's making not only at the rim, but negatively impacting the opponent's three-point shooting because of the way his teammates can defend on the perimeter, knowing he's behind them. Nobody in the league had anywhere near the impact night in, night out that Rudy did. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. DJ PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing for a free quote. And for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Well, the Utah Jazz are up 2 0. On the Clippers, what is sustainable going forward? Where have the Jazz cotton 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 cotton? That's first cousin of Broughton, by the way. Just kidding. Welcome cotton. To, welcome to Utah. Cotton and Broughton. Oh, that cool. sounds that sounds like a law firm. When you need help, call Cotton and Broughton. That's a good law firm name. <laughs> Uh, so some of the things that are sustainable, that are not sustainable, David Locke just brought up a good one here. Through two, and the Jazz won these two games, you got them in your pocket and you're not giving them back. But the law of numbers, as Matt Harvey likes to say, man, Morris can't keep shooting like this, can he? 0 for 5 and 1 for 9, 1 for 14. I mean, they're going to a small lineup. They know Rudy's going to help. You need five shooters on the floor. So... How do you get shots for the roll guys, the Morrises, the Canards of the world? Canard really, Luke Canard really hurt the Jazz in game one, and he made a lot of shots. In game two, he got one shot in 10 minutes. And it surprised me because the shot he got wasn't fluky. It was well drawn up, well executed, and he nailed it. Morris has been hitting these shots for a couple years. Now, it could just be what we've just seen from Joe. You know, you can cherry pick the numbers. That's why PK always rants on the numbers. I know what I see. You can cherry-pick the numbers. And if you pick games 3, 4, and 5 from the Grizzlies series and game 1 from the playoff series with the Clippers here, you can make a case that Joe Ingles is a terrible shooter and is killing the Jazz. Now, it's not the truth. You've cherry-picked the numbers. You can also make a case, if you just take games 1 and 2 from the Grizzlies series and game 2 from the Clippers series, that Joe Ingles is a Hall of Famer and the greatest shooter who ever lived. Joe would say thank you. But he's not here to say thank you, so we're going to skip over that. You know, you got you to gotta look at the whole picture. You focus on any part of the picture, and then as Quinn Snyder and every other coach he's ever lived will tell you, you're getting too high, you're getting too low. Joe had another 90 shot, 70%. Not sustainable. Bigger picture. Now, you don't get a regular season sample size. You really are who you are in the regular season over the course of 82, this year's 72 games. 
guys do get hot and cold in a playoff series. And four games ends it. So it's possible Moore shoots it really poorly a couple more times and opens the door for the Jazz to win on the road. But he's missing everything, and the Jazz are shooting 51% from three. And the Jazz win by six points. And Joe Ingles threw in a layup off the top of the backboard. (laughs) If you're looking for a more unlikely shot in this series, you might go to Clarkson banking in a three. We do see threes banked in occasionally. We see layups off the top of the backboard a couple times a year in the entire league. I mean, it happens. But it doesn't happen very often. So, what can you sustain? Where do the Jazz go from here? 2-0 is great. If they come back 2-2, everybody's going to be real nervous. So nervous. I think the biggest thing the Jazz have that seems sustainable and the Clippers really have to turn around is Donovan Mitchell is scoring at a clip <laughs> that is sustainable. You know, what is the bubble worth, right? Donovan had those 50-point games in the bubble a year ago. Okay, he's not averaging 50, but he's averaging 41 points a game. Now he's done it in two home games. you got to go do it on the road. you got to mix in the travel, the hostile crowd, the bad shooting background, all that kind of stuff. And teams, you know, punching back, figuring out how to counter and stop you. If Donovan keeps going at this rate, the Clippers are in trouble. If the Clipper role players keep going at this rate, the Clippers are in trouble. The Jazz loading up on extra shooters. The Jazz, everybody, I mean, you get to this level, everybody's got three or four good shooters. But the Jazz having seven good shooters. Now with Locke, um, I didn't have a chance to bring this up, we run out of time, but Cousins, Beverly, and Morris, also a good law firm, by the way. For all your real estate law, Cousins, Beverly, and Morris. They were combined 0 for 8 from 3. And they got to shoot it because they played big minutes. Those guys uh, combined play like 69 minutes. You can't hide them. You're going to be out there on the floor that long. The Jazz are going to rotate off you at some point. you got to hit your open shots when you get the Jazz into a scramble. And those guys went 0 for 8 from 3. And Morris took 5 of them, so you know the right guys are taking them. And the Jazz are just going to dare Beverly to shoot. Rondo was out in this game. He didn't play. They decided to go with Beverly. And he was 0 for 5 and 0 for 2 from 3. Now, he did his defensive thing, and he got a steal off of Joe and dug the ball out and all that stuff. But those guys were 0 for 8. Now, the Jazz, because you got so many role players who are good, Yang has his 0 for 3 night. You know, he'll have a night. He's 3 for 5. It'll happen. But the Jazz survived Royce O'Neal and George Yang going to combine 1 for 6. Because they got so many shooters. You got seven. You got one hurt. Mike Conley's out. He's one of your shooters. He doesn't play. You got two guys who are ice cold. You still got four guys on fire from three, and it gets you the win. On a night, you shoot 51% as a team. And the Clippers could have shot 50% from the team, but they had, or 50% from the three, but they had three guys who dragged them down to about 36, 37%. And that's why they lose the game. There is this make-or-miss 
quality of the league. You can't deny. You do everything else and how you screen matters and how you space matters and are you willing to pass or do you have your eyes out? All the lines we've heard all year in all these Zoom interviews, they're all true. But at the end, when you get the open shot, you got to make it. And Donovan Mitchell is just going to another level that's blowing people away. And so if your role guys can kind of ham and egg it, all right, one guy's hurt and a couple guys aren't shooting it that well. But one guy, Royce O'Neal, is defending high-level guys at a high rate. And I, I think as much as the Jazz win, if Mitchell keeps averaging 41 points a game, do the Clippers win if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are averaging 24 points? Kawhi Leonard had 21 last night. Paul George had 27. Is that enough, or do they have to go off? Nothing wrong with scoring in the 20s. You're an awfully good player playing at a high level. But in the stacked West, and you get to the second round, and everybody's really good, if you're just good, is that enough? Or do you have to get to very good or to great? So... I guess the good news if you're a Clipper fan and you're down 0-2, you've been 0-2 before. And the thing that ought to scare the Jazz is you're winning by six points. There are role players are sucking at hitting open shots. And their stars are merely good. They haven't been great. Are their stars going to be great? They don't need all of this to happen. If one of their stars gets going the way Paul George was going in the last series, and maybe he just can't do it. Dallas isn't average defensive team in the regular season and once you get to the playoffs and all the bad teams are gone, you know Dallas becomes the bad team defensively he lit them up Well, the Jazz are elite Jazz, they've been top three or four defensively all year long, even when they have a lull, they don't seem to drop below like fourth in the league and then they have a stretch, they play well, the numbers get better and they climb so the Jazz are elite defensively so some of this stuff may not just be happening. Credit the Jazz for making it happen. But, you know, what's sustainable? Jazz have to do it two more times. All right, we got a lot of your feedback coming up. We will get to that next. A lot of you tweeting at us, Facebook. Yuck, how's it going with the open mic? People got their takes? Got their hot takes on game, uh, game two? Sad to report, I have zero. All right, people, that gets you to the front of the line. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic, send us your take. We'll get to that coming up. And we got Gordon Monson joining us in 15 minutes for his take on game two. Stay with us. The Utah Jazz. Donovan Spider Mitchell has been fantastic. The Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard. A ninja. Catch every second of every moment of jazz basketball on the Zone Sports Network as Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert battle Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers for a spot in the Western Conference Finals. Your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Donovan Mitchell is a superstar, like everyone is saying, and I love David Locke's final call of that second half shot when he went, oh, Donovan, say it with me. Oh, Donovan. (laughs) DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of the contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. That's the open mic right there. That was Dwight. Grab your phone. 
Use our app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your audio. Send us your take. You don't have to wait on hold. 855-340-ZONE if you'd like to call and wait on hold. Gordon Monson's joining us coming up. Uh, Mark Jones on the ESPN broadcast did drop a Donovan. Oh, Donovan. Copyright infringement. (laughs) Donovan Mitchell playing like a megastar. 45 points. Backs it up with 37 points. He put up huge numbers in the bubble. And in the bubble, you wonder, well... Is it the travel? Is there's no fans in the shooting background? He had two 50-point games. They lost the seven-game series, but uh, it was shocking. Well, he averaged 28.5 points a game in the wins, the four wins over the Grizzlies. Obviously, he didn't play in the loss. Now he's averaging 41 points a game in these two games. Donovan into the stratosphere here. And the thing is, he's shooting 48% in the playoffs. Really efficient. It's not like, hey, I got 50 points, but I needed 60 shots. It's phenomenal. Let's go to Scott, 855-340-ZONE. Scott, good morning. Scott, game two reaction and go. Hey, guys. I just wanted to say, Bogey went to another level last night defensively. I could not believe the job he was doing on Kawhi. I mean, he was full-on, bodied up. I mean, he could not get space to shoot. I mean, it was beautiful to watch. I wish he'd do that more often. It was amazing. I totally agree with that. I think that guys do good stuff on defense based on the scheme and everybody's supposed to be rotating. Everybody has their primary responsibility and the second thing they got to do. And so guys play great defense, but we don't know because we don't get to see what the scheme is. I think where Bogey really gets the pat on the back for that is when you're on the ball against a star in the middle of the court, now all eyes are on you. You know, what subtly you do with your spacing and off the ball and help and the angles you take away. The people who know the scheme can appreciate it, but they'll never tell us the scheme. What Bogey had to do, on the ball in the middle of the court, we can all see. And I think it goes back to what Locke said earlier, and that is the thing he's got going for him is, you know, do you use your size? Do you use your strength? Do you use your quickness? Like, Kyrie Irving just blows by people, right? Kevin Durant rises up over people. Everybody's, you got to play the advantage you've got. Kawhi, strength and length, super long arms. I mean, he's a tall dude, but the wingspan, he plays even taller. And Bogey's got the size, and Bogey's really strong. So really what it comes down to is, you know, the willpower. (laughs) You know, he's trying to enforce his will on you, you're trying to enforce your will on him, and uh, Bogey did a great job of getting out there and battling him. And for the series now, and it's not just Bogey who takes him, right? Royce O'Neal is playing 41 minutes because of what he gives Quinn in the defensive matchups. And on the, on the nights he shoots the three well, and he's one for three, that's fine, you know, 33%. There'll be nights he'll be, you know, two for five or four for seven. That's all a bonus. Quinn's got him out there because of the numbers Locke had. Uh, the shooting percentage is so low for Kawhi Leonard. Now, when there's one good defender, and Joe Ingles said this in his postgame, and we played it earlier this morning, Joe and Donovan said, whoever Patrick Beverly defends... The other guy brings the ball up the floor. And you just isolate that one guy and you get him away from what he does best. And Kawhi and Paul George all year, when there's one defender, they'll let the other guy go. Whoever the best defenders, the other guy will make the play. So I think it's really big 
that Bogey comes up big. Because Royce is going to be playing great D, but they can just go to the other guy who Royce isn't guarding and go to Tam. The way Joe Ingles said they handled Patrick Beverly. So when someone like Bogey comes up big, I just think it's double the impact because it makes what Royce is doing so valuable. Royce can be out there and be great, but if they put him on one side of the floor on Kawhi and Paul George goes to town on the other side of the floor, well, you didn't get a stop. So Royce is great, but what did he get you? You get a second guy defending like Royce, like Bogey did, and now you're in business. All right, Yach, you're waiting through the open mics in there? Yeah, we got a good one here from Lane. All right, let's listen to Lane. Rather than talk about the game, and it was awesome last night, I want to give a shout-out to DJ and PK and the whole show. Best morning radio, last 20 years. Thanks for sending me and my wife to the game. It was awesome. Glad you had a good time, Lane. Thanks to Scotty G and uh, his contacts in the jazz organization. I think I know who you are, but I don't want to call you out. In case you did something you weren't supposed to do. Is it who I'm thinking of? Probably. Okay. But, 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 just on the chance someone did us a solid. We don't need everyone running to our source. Then our source would have to split the tickets good among point. many other people. Good call. If Scotty has worked some deal, good for Scotty. And good for our source. And good for Lane, because Lane's listened for a long time. So I'm glad Lane got to go to the game. And if there is a game five, and I know many of you hope there isn't, but if there is a game five, hopefully Scotty will take out the magic wand and make the tickets appear in the air out of thin air or however he does it by any means necessary at any cost am i am i hitting them all yuck glad you enjoyed it lane hopefully uh we'll have tickets for the next home game regardless of what series it is We're talking about scotty you gotta use it here that being said that being said i'm taking my talents to fill in the name of the school I'm transferring to. Scotty loves seeing that on, uh, on social media. All right, DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, guys have been struggling with ED, but they're hesitant to come in, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, 70% of men with erectile dysfunction do nothing. And I'm assuming that they kind of just accept that as the new normal. Well, that phase of my life is over. This is part of the aging process. And the embarrassment or stigma around ED, in my opinion, is uh, not a good thing. It holds men back from getting treatment. The relationship suffers, and it doesn't have to be that way. At Wasatch Medical, we're using pressure waves. Cambridge University studied technology that opens up and regrows blood vessels. And we have seen, in fact, patients have told us life-changing results. In two to three weeks, with just a few treatments, you could eliminate the pill, uh, turn back the clock some in the bedroom, and get that spontaneity. So what are the top causes of ED? Because you've... you've... Oh, Andrew just dropped. Well, we weren't going to find the top causes of ED. But I can tell you this, Andrew has a special offer. And if you want the discount... Call right now, 801-901-8000. they got a special discount from now till the end of the show, so you got to call by 10 o'clock. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical, and Andrew has magically reappeared. Andrew, how are you? <laughs> I'm back. Stop You're that. back, baby. Uh, I was about to ask you, what are the top causes of ED? Because you talk to a lot of people who have ED, so I guess you could throw our listeners a freebie right here because maybe there's some things they can do, or maybe it's just other stuff going on with their health and there's nothing they can do and they should stop blaming themselves. Well, I think that lifestyle does play a role in this, diabetes, prostate issues, but 
it is true that it's happening to totally healthy, normal people. And if you're experiencing some failure in the bedroom, I've never really seen it correct itself on its own or go away. So we need to solve the blood flow issue. We need to repair the blood vessels, and we can do it with the acoustic wave uh, at Wasatch. We've helped a lot of couples regain the intimacy. All right. Explain the special offer. I was saying that you have one, but you have the specifics. We do. If you're struggling with ED, if you're sick of the pills, call us now. The initial screening and assessment with our doctor will be free. The blood flow ultrasound, pretty cool, by the way, that's free. Uh, And you get the little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom, which guys really like. Uh, A lot of value. Call us. It's absolutely no charge. 801-901-8000. That is the phone number for Wasatch Medical. 801-901-8000. Ask for the special offer at 801-901-8000. Tell them the zone sent you. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. How do you not love Jordan Clarkson's confidence? He was chucking bombs up from everywhere. He only took one or two bad ones, but even those were close to going in. You gotta love this team, baby. Top to bottom. 15 seconds ain't enough. What a game last night. Donovan went off again. Jingle and Joe found a shot, played well. Let's go, baby. Jazz in four. A man can dream, can he? Yes, you can. Probably is a dream, but go ahead and dream it. Dream the dream. Isn't that a famous song? Gordon will sing it for us in, in a minute. DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing, your locally owned roof repair experts for a free quote. And for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. David Locke on earlier this morning. He wanted no part of the Jazz and Four. He didn't really like the Jazz and Five storyline. Still cool in expe- expectations. Will Gordon Monson cool expectations? Salt Lake Tribune col- columnist, co-host of the Big Show. He joins us now. Gordon, good morning. Good morning. How you doing, TJ? If I'd been thinking ahead, I would have gotten Booner on another line, and we would have done a segment of MJB <laughs> in the morning. And that just occurred to me now. I'm a moron. <laughs> I talked. I talked to him the other day about that, and he had we had some some chuckles over some of the memories. There you go, man. Uh, so we'll get your take. But in the world of hot takes, and I gotta have it now. I gotta have it now. I gotta have it now. We are ten hours since the end of the game. How many hot takes have you shared, Gordon? Uh, I haven't shared. Well, well, I mean. I guess two. I was on the post game show, and then I've uh, then I uh, wrote a column. So those are the two okay. hot takes I've shared so far. Considering you were supposed to sleep at some point, I guess you are all in on the playoffs then. Uh, uh, sort of uh, sucked into the whole the whole orbit of the thing. And, ah, that's uh, the yeah. beauty of the playoffs. Come on, give me some more hype. Give me some more energy. <laughs> well, it has been. You know, here's the difference between what we're seeing right now, DJ, and what we have often seen from a Jazz team in the playoffs. It's the fact that the ceiling is so high on this team, it's almost the roof. <laughs> ah, I like what you did there. Uh, Good work. Yeah. Good work. But, uh, but, but you know, this energy of which you speak, it, it, it just – it, it gets higher and higher and higher when people in their imagination and their minds eye can see that just maybe this, just maybe this team might be something extraordinary. And they, I mean, I, I, uh, based on what I've seen so far, I, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell's been, if not the best, one certainly one of the best uh, players in the playoffs, and and his team is. 
is rounding out nicely. So I guess the question is, is the Jazz defense doing to this Clipper doing this to the Clippers? Or hey, it's a couple games. They're coming off a seven game series, playing at elevation. The Clippers will get home, they'll get their legs under them, and they'll shoot the ball better. Because you've got the two Clipper stars averaging like twenty two and twenty three and a half points a game in this series. And you've got role players like Morris is one for 14 from three. I mean, that's the beauty of going small is he's the guy who's supposed to hit open threes. He's been a 50% shooter on catch-and-shoot threes. Locke had the numbers for us earlier. I know you're shocked by that. <laughs> and so, hey, some of these things are just going to correct themselves, and this series could easily be 2-2. What are you thinking? Uh, well, I do believe that the Clippers can play better than what we've seen so far. But the Jazz obviously do have are playing a, a role in that. Last night, as I was watching that game, and uh, I was watching pretty closely, just like the rest of us were. And I'm telling you, the defensive effort by the Jazz. People like Bogdanovich. I haven't. Uh, maybe I wasn't paying attention before, but I haven't seen him play with that kind of intensity at that end. Jordan Clarkson, you know, really putting in an effort at the defensive end. And maybe they've done that all year long, but I haven't noticed it at this level. And, of course, Rudy is always there. And uh, so, yeah, I think the the, uh, Jazz deserves some of the credit here. But watch out for this team. I think the Jazz and the Clippers are pretty evenly matched talent-wise. But uh, just so far, the Jazz have shown that uh, either through their own confidence build out of playing at home or because of what the effect Quinn Snyder's had on them, They've been able to get the edge. And it doesn't take much of a difference. It doesn't take much of an edge to win a playoff series. And so far, we've seen the Jazz with that advantage. We were doing radio together back in 97-98 when the Jazz won seven straight playoff games. Two to close out a Spurs series. They swept the Lakers in four, and then they won the opener against the Bulls. As near as I can tell... That is the longest playoff win streak the Jazz have had. Uh, now, you talk about how good the Jazz are, and you drop the, the ceiling as the roof line on us earlier in this. <laughs> Do we really want to compare Donovan to Carl Malone and this team to that team? They are a one seed, and that's the last time the Jazz were a one seed. The only other time they've been a one seed in the entire playoffs I think there's people who want to believe it, but they just don't want to get their hopes up and then get them dashed. But with every win and with every big performance, it's harder and harder to say, oh, no, these teams are in the same neighborhood. It's not the same area code. They're in the same neighborhood. Well, uh, DJ, you know that uh, 86.7 percentage (laughs) of the time, uh, the, the team that wins the first game of the series wins it all. I did. I did. That's, that's, that's an inside joke, folks. If, uh, I goaded. I goaded Gordon into writing a column about <laughs> Jazz won Game One. They're going to beat the Bulls. He wrote it. <laughs> PK slapped a headline on it that may or may not have been inflammatory. <laughs> Jordan read it, and twenty years later, in a documentary, <laughs> it motivated MJ. <laughs> Thanks oh, for that. Brother. Now I no. would argue that maybe. When Jordan missed a big shot, if Stockton had blocked him out and gotten the rebound and Jordan had run to the hoop and gotten a three-point play, it would have been 2-0, and then they, they might have gotten him or he might have done something awesome and won his six anyway. 
Yeah, what, yeah. Carl Malone went 0 for 4 in the in the second half, didn't score in that game too. Anyway, never mind. Uh, the point is that the this see that's what I'm talking about, DJ. This team is is not that team, but it might. It has a chance. It really. I feel like Lavelle Edwards. They have a chance to be a pretty good team. Uh, the Jazz really are good, and I think Jazz fans should believe what they're seeing. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, if it's tough, you know, if they if they find a way to beat the Clippers, and then let's say they they face the Suns, a team they struggled with in the regular season, then they go to the NBA Finals. Uh, is it probable? I wouldn't say probable, but it's certainly certainly possible in my mind. I from what I've seen from this team. So we'll have to wait and see how things turn out before we really start comparing this team with the 98 team. But, hey, DJ, we're in the ballpark here watching this team. Well, I do believe adversity is coming. I, I agree with you definitely in the ballpark. I don't think there's any argument that they're in the ballpark. But adversity is coming. You don't win forever. The Jazz have won six in a row. They have faced adversity within games, but they haven't faced adversity in a series. And they will. You just don't get to blow people out and cruise to the title, I don't think. And, and I'll be very happy to be wrong about this, but I just don't think that's going to happen. Well, so it would, certainly, it would certainly help them, DJ, to have Mike Conley back. Yep. Think about what, what this team could be doing right now if they had that guy, their quarterback, in play as well. I mean, that's something to be taken into consideration, too. But I also think that this is who the Jazz are. They played 72 regular season games, and now they've played, making sure he does the math right, because he's doing math on the radio and he screws it up all the time. They've played seven postseason games. So you got 72 regular season, seven postseason games. That's a big sample size. Joe Ingles, because of injuries to Donovan and injuries to Mike, Joe Ingles started 30 regular season games. And now he started, and so that means he came off the bench 37 times, right? Almost half. Well, now he started three games and come off the bench four times. <laughs> well, he was asked about that last night. I know. Yeah, and he talked about uh, what he say. He said Mike was going to have to shove him out, or he was going to refuse to leave. Before. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, uh, I mean, this is one of the one of the strengths of this team that they have. They have two six men of the year. I mean, really, and uh, Jordan Clarkson will tell you that that Joe has been that important to them as he. Is he good enough to be a starter? Sure he is. He's just a different version of what the Jazz can be. He does it differently than Mike does. Uh, but, but I, you know, I mean, the talented guys. And uh, Joe, is, Joe is pretty crafty out there, and it was interesting to watch him. What did he have last night? Was it 19 points, I think it was, mm-hmm. if I remember mm-hmm. correctly? I mean, those were some big, big baskets he hit. I do feel like as good as the Jazz have been, I can think of two buckets in each game where they've been really fortunate. And it's not just the points you get, it's the momentum you get as well. In that first game, in the first quarter, Donovan Mitchell has two three-pointers that rattle around all around the rim. One of them may have popped off the backboard, too, and they finally went in. And after the second one, Donovan had this sly kind of smirk, half smirk, half grin, like, hmm, that was lucky, <laughs> but we'll take it. You know? And it was part of that 10-2 run to open, to open the game, right? So they get six points, and they win by three, and six of them, yikes, they were fortunate. And then in game two, 
Clarkson banks in a three, and Joe goes for a layup, and someone's jumping at him, and he's trying to throw it high off the glass. He throws it up off the top of the backboard, and it goes in. That's five points in a six-point win. I mean, you make your own luck, but you probably can't make your own luck like that every game. I mean, it's the Clippers are going to make their own luck at some point, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't think it'll be luck. I think uh, you'll see Kawhi Leonard in his prime form somewhere coming up here. Uh, I don't know when, and I don't know what it's going to look like, uh, but I don't think it will be luck. But, DJ, I mean, I <clears throat> from my, my, my view of that game last night, there were some unlucky things the Jazz had, too. I mean, there were a couple of calls that were absolutely wrong that uh, couldn't be challenged. And so, I mean, these these matters of luck they go they go both ways and maybe just like the calls they balance out over time but I think the Jazz are fine in that regard Lady Luck uh, they'll take whatever they can get from her. So game three, what are you going to watch? What are you expecting? What are you keying in on? The first thing I'm going to be uh, keyed in on is will Mike Conley be ready to play? I mean. That is a huge, huge deal for this team. When you think about how, when when you see the challenges the Jazz are facing with the uh, the the as uh, Donovan Mitchell called them, the different looks, the bunch of different looks that the Clippers are throwing at them. I mean, when you have that, wouldn't it be nice to have their, your number one quarterback uh, out there directing traffic and putting the ball where? It should go where it needs to go, especially a veteran like him. So that's a, that's a big deal, obviously. And I would expect the Clippers, even though it was weird in the Mavericks uh, series where, you know, the, the home team was losing all the time, I would expect uh, the Clippers to be uh, at a higher level playing in front of their home fans. And I don't even know what, uh, what the uh, local government down there has as far as how many people can be in Staples Center down there. But uh, I would expect the Clippers to thrive off of that energy there. And just they're good. They're, they're a good team. Uh, anybody who's thinking the Jazz is going to sweep this team, that, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. California is opening up in a few days. This is the right round and the right time to go to L.A. and face 7,000 hostile fans instead of you know, the ten or 11,000 they normally draw. Hey-oh! Yeah, San Diego Clipper been, vengeful humor right there. Thank you very guys, much. Anybody who's been to Staples Center, it is vacuous inside that building. <laughs> and it feels, feels like a shopping mall almost. Uh, so it's not it's not the intensity of what we see at Vivint Arena. But uh, but it, obviously, they feel comfortable there with the sight lines, with, their, with the back, uh, you know, the, what they see when they shoot and all that stuff. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. They, uh, I, I know the Padres are supposed to be allowing a full house for whenever they come back home, and I, I forget how their schedule falls, but it's like the, the 16th or the 17th or something like that. And I've read the Dodgers, something similar. Uh, and, and the Clippers are indoors. Maybe there'll be different rules for them. But I, I think if the Jazz have to go back for a game six, there might be a massive crowd, but not for three and four. And certainly if the Clippers are able to get off the deck from 0-2 again, like they did in the last series, 
I think they'll have it for the conference final. But for this for this trip, which is all we're really worried about, uh, it'll it'll be cardboard cutouts around the benches, so you don't they don't have the hostile fans, you know, right behind you screaming at you, you know, nice shot, Ingles, or you know, whatever. Um, probably worse than that, but you know, we're on the radio. <laughs> Uh, so they have seven to eight thousand fans, but some of them are up high, some of them are on the opposite side of the court, facing the benches, but they're not around the benches. I, I, I just whatever the atmosphere is, DJ, I expect the Clippers to continue to play better. It's not like they've played really poorly. Maybe they would argue that. I mean, Paul George going four seventeen in Game One. That's certainly something he doesn't want to relive. But I think on the whole, they have their bad moments against the Mavs. I thought were much worse than what they've put up against the Jazz so far. But and people talk about, oh, watch out! You know, the Clippers were down 0-2 in that series, especially losing their games at home. But guess what? The Mavs and the Jazz are not the same team. The Jazz are are better. You mentioned the defense, and with Rudy Gobert standing there in the middle, it makes it much more difficult for them to mount some of the comeback uh, action that they uh, conjured against Dallas. Uh, I, I don't really see it happening that way. And obviously, whoever wins this next game, if the Jazz win this next game, then you can pretty well, I don't care what they did against the Mavs and the Jazz can go ahead and close that thing out. Here's one other thing, DJ, and it's this, and I wrote about it. It's the mental side of this. I mean, both these teams uh, had three to one uh, you know, leads against the the Nuggets last year, and uh, I'm not going to question the mentality of the L.A. Lakers, but I will compliment the mentality of the Utah Jazz. You saw Donovan Mitchell after game one. What did he do? He didn't even talk about his 45 points. He didn't want to. He was asked about it, but he was looking ahead. This team has learned lessons from what's happened in the past. They really have absorbed those things. I know – that's talked about in sort of a cliche term sometimes. But this Jazz team, and, and, and Quinn Snyder said to use the word, two words last night, mentally tough. I believe they are. I mean, they may have some slippages sometime between now and if there's a game seven, but uh, they are way advanced to what we've seen in past years. I'm curious what the neighborhood's like, Gordon, when you descend from behind the diamond-encrusted gates of the Monson Estates. And you send down into the neighborhood and the little people. Uh, are you seeing jazz notes uh, mowed into lawns? Are you seeing flags on cars like breakaway republics? <laughs> you have you have you have an ironclad memory. <laughs> I got I gotta hate it. And by the way, you love doing that to me because PK does that to you. The diamond encrusted gates. Is that what you said? I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I didn't think Gates was hot enough. I was trying to dial it up another notch. <laughs> you know, I've seen I've seen some flags. I haven't seen that at the level of what we saw in '98. But I'm telling you, it's going to rash it up here, just like it did back then. Remember how it went round by round? It ratcheted higher and higher and higher. And I think that's going to happen this time if the Jazz can find ways to, to get by. And also five conference finals appearances in eight years are ratcheted up year to year. I don't think yeah. what it was in 92 is what it became in 96, 97, and 98. And I think there is still uh, – the hardcore already get it, but I still think that there are casual Jazz fans who don't want to dare to believe the Jazz are back at that level. Although the regular season record says they're back at that level and the six-game win streak in the playoffs says they're getting back to that level. 
Uh, so we'll see. But I, I do remember there, and they've redone the interchange now, but the interchange of I-80 at 1300 East used to have a huge lawn, and now it's Xeriscaped. But it had a huge <laughs> lawn, and they, they put uh, the Jazz logo, they mowed it into that massive, you know, 100-foot lawn or whatever it is. So now it's Xeriscaped. Someone will have to put colored rocks down, I guess. I don't know what they'll do. I have a theory on this, and that is that, you know, people talk about how uh, how do you draw crowds, how do you draw interest while well, winning does that. Sure. But I think within that whole idea is that it can happen within a year as well. I mean, mm-hmm. when I'm watching the fans down in Phoenix, I mean, did anybody used to go to games down there and watch the Suns uh, play? And then you watch the way they are now, and it shows you what winning can do. But even with the Jazz, who have had this history of winning without winning at all, uh, it, it sort of has waned a little bit in recent years for all the reasons you just described. But I think bit by bit, it's building, the winning is building and building and building. And uh, something tells me if they beat the Clippers, you're going you're gonna to start seeing things mowed into lawns and who knows what else. Uh, do you remember that, uh, that woman and uh, her husband that used to uh, engage in a certain activity in order to have the jazz win? I mean, when people take it to that level, remember her, her neighbors were calling to make sure that uh, certain things had been done. And uh, I thought to myself, when it gets to that level, when it gets that personal, you know that uh, it's uh, reached uh, pretty close to a pinnacle. I was going to say climax, but I better not. Too late? You already did. I'll just tell you this. After we feed the albino alligators in the moat, then the crew is going to put up the multicolored jazz flags all the way around the moat. But we don't do that while the gators are still hungry. So there'll be, there'll be the, the gold flag, the white flag, the purple flag, the powder blue Carolina blue flag, and the... Uh, the, I, I like to think of it as the red rock flag. What are they calling this with the black, the the red, the orange, and the gold? I always think of the red rock and the, the city and the, editions. Yeah, the city editions. I, I yeah. always think that it's like southern Utah. And, and I think it's the best look, and it ought to be the permanent colors. But we're really at a point in pro sports where basketball doesn't have permanent colors because they want to sell six jerseys to everybody. So I get that. You know, follow the money and all that stuff. Didn't, I, didn't those old uh, city editions, the one they had before, didn't that have... The stripe down the side was the shape of... Uh, I-15. No, it was 89. Oh, was it 89? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 89. That's 89. Said, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but they so, tweaked it this year. So, there you go. Did I... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I Did I hear or did I read that they're going to wear those uh, uniforms at home throughout? Is that... Or, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not uniform guy. Um, but I, I'm sure Alema knows. Call him. Alema handles all things fashion. I don't get into Alema's <laughs> world. I made the I shoes, made the pocket squares, uniforms. <laughs> Olympus got that stuff down cold. I tried to talk to him once, and I, I felt like a fool about it. So now I just talk to him about 1984 and just leave it right there. Well, I made the mistake of challenging Olympus to a fashion off one time. And you can imagine how that might have gone. Gordon, you wore like a, a torn Peanuts t-shirt to a <laughs> golf tournament and got in trouble with management. Let's clarify, Oscar the Grouch. Oscar the Grouch, my bad. I knew it was some goofy cartoon character thingy, whatever. Yeah, Oscar the Grouch shirt to the country club and got in trouble. Yeah, what were you doing in a fashion that. show? My gosh. <laughs> they threw me look off the, the course. Hey, but they threw me out. But look, it was a joke. That was the... 
The Jazz don't play junior jazz teams, and you don't get in a fashion duel with the sandals, the flip-flops, and the white socks with Lemmy Harrington in his pocket squares. But the sandals and the white socks. It wasn't sandals and the white socks. It was white socks and shower shoes. That's a little different. You know, you can't get away worse, but it's different. I'll give you that. (laughs) No, most people can't get away with that, but athletes can, and hence I could. Jeez. Okay. Oh, look, doing that on TV may have been a mistake, but <laughs> no, it's not a mistake. It gave you separation. Yes, you get teased for it, but it established who you are. And all these years later, you're still doing radio and writing newspaper columns, even though you cost the Jazz their first NBA title <laughs> with an assist from you and PK. Yeah, yeah, but nobody knows about that. You took all the blame. We just stood in the back with the straw and the spit wads and created havoc on the bus. BJ says, "Hey, I have a great, I have a great stat for you. Yeah, you did, know, the Jazz won Game One, and eighty-seven percent of the time, the, the, the whoever wins Game One goes all the way. Isn't that interesting? And, and then I write, then I yeah. write it like you said earlier, PK." Mm-hmm. He says, oh, I have an idea for a headline. All right. Michael Jordan to walk off the court, a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. And at 3-1, Gordon's going at me during a commercial break in the show. I said, well, Gordon, I told you it didn't happen 100% of the time. Who's the outlier who wants out of it, one out of seven busts the odds? Because we know someone does. It's someone like Michael Jordan. Yeah, but the thing was... That was a good that, save by me. You have to admit, that was a yeah. good save by me. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. though there was the 13% uh, the other way, I really thought that Jazz team was better than the Bulls that year. I really, even with... Michael All right, Gordon, so you're just hurting people now, Gordon. Stop. You're just hurting people. Uh, right, oh, by the way, City Edition off. and Dark Mode is the other one I'm getting. I could not think of Dark yeah. Mode. All right, Gordon, thank you. Save the rest of it for Jake. The Big Show, 3 o'clock this afternoon. 2 o'clock this afternoon, 3 o'clock if you want to be an hour late. Nice save. Hey, hey, DJ, DJ, just before I go, give me just just one sampling of Ball You Man. Oh, my gosh, I was walking somewhere and some guy did that to me. DJ, Ball You Man, where was I? Someone just did that in the last week. <laughs> it cracked me up. I looked at him, I smiled at point, and I'm like, long-time listener. And he's just smiling like, I knew I'd get a reaction. He did. Give it to me, DJ. I want to hear Ball, you, man. Bob Kloppenberg. Ball, you, man. Idlewild basketball camps. Ball, feet. (laughs) Pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Just screaming at us. Clock at a minute ticking down. Thighs just burning. Calves burning in that defensive stance. Ball, you, man. All right. Ed Gregory and Bob Kloppenberg in the Idlewild basketball camp separating me from my money when I was a teenager. I was going to get me to somewhere. I don't know where. Here, People here, I guess. What a, good, what a gifted basketball player you were back in the day. <laughs> back in the day <laughs> when my knees didn't make an audible sound when I walked. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Gordon. We got to run. Gordon Monson, big show. Today, 2 o'clock, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Right now, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, guys have been struggling with ED, and you can help. They don't believe you because they don't come in, but you can help. <laughs> That's right. Because some of them do come in. Obviously, I've been sitting there in an empty building for all this time. I mean, come on. But there's still guys out there who they've heard the ads, but they just haven't quite made the decision to drive down. That's right. They always start skeptical. Uh, I think a guy with ED 
has failed so many times with the pills, the injections, and feels really, you know, this, this affects a man's sense of self-worth. And he thinks this phase of his life is over. Not true. If you have erectile dysfunction, mild or severe, the acoustic wave therapy at Wasatch Medical has helped and will continue to help so many guys. A recent clinical study said this is the new standard of care for ED. With gentle pressure waves, we can agitate the blood vessels just enough that they open up and regrow, uh, creating more of them. And more blood flow in the bedroom, that is a great thing. You'll be amazed what can happen to the relationship. So as you talk to all the guys and they come through and they tell you their stories, you must hear some of the top causes, some of the results. And the thing you dropped on us earlier in the show is that this works pretty quickly. And regardless of what your causes are, there's a lot of guys who you think could be in a much better place by the time the NBA conference finals roll around. Yes, the month of June. Um, If maybe, let's say you're a diabetic or you've had your prostate out or you have nerve damage, those are pretty common and can cause ED. Uh, And yes, guys experience results as they go through the treatments. The whole process is two or three weeks, so it's not that long, but you can imagine progressively getting better in the bedroom as you go, more blood flow when it counts. That's a great thing. And we've seen guys completely eliminate the pill. So let's just say July 1st. You call us today. I can have you done with these treatments by July 1st. That's a great thing. All right, so you got a special offer. We do. Call us now. The initial screening assessment and blood flow ultrasound will be free. A little gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom, which you'll love. And new patients get free testosterone, so a lot of value. 801-901-8000 is the number to call to talk to Andrew. 801-901-8000. Call the Wasatch Medical Clinic and get that special deal right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Kawhi Leonard. Playing the weight of expectations. And Paul George. When you need him most, he turns into Pandemic P. Hey, Paul and Kawhi, if you and the Clippers want to come to Salt Lake and steal a game from our Jazz. And the Jazz are up two games to none. <laughs> you're going to have to do a lot better than that. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were just horrible. Catch every moment of Jazz playoff basketball as the series shifts to L.A. In Los Angeles. Game 3 tips off Saturday at 6.30 with the Jazz live pregame show beginning at 5 on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I mean, DJ, I contribute to the show behind the scenes pretty much every day. Um, You're welcome for the dark mode jersey name. I could have filled in for PK today. Just imagine that. Would have been amazing. Jill filling in for PK. She just gave herself a security card, <laughs> swiped her way into the building, slapped on a headset, and was ready to go. Hit us up with your open mics, and we will get them in the next segment with your feedback. Time to get you up to date on all the things you missed in this show. David Locke joined us, and he says if there's one thing to look at in Game 2, why did the Jazz win? He goes straight to the three-point shooting. It was excellent. Ingles was on. He was 4-7 from 3. Clarkson was locked in. He was 6-9 of from 3. Donovan Mitchell went off again. 
37-point performance. He made six of his 12 three-pointers. Bogey was three of five from the arc. Uh, The Jazz were just raining threes on the Clippers, and Locke says that is reason number one. The Jazz won the game. Go with the hot shooting. A lot of other things that you would think would be sustainable, because shooting 51% from three, not sustainable. And uh, he was pointing out how much time the Clippers spent in transition. And it didn't pay off for him, but as they go home, as the Jazz presumably cool off from three a little bit, presumably, then they get back in the series. And the question for the Jazz, I know, I know everyone's greedy and would love a sweep. I still can't believe that will happen. But if the Jazz get a game down in L.A., which they seem capable of, then they come home with a chance to close it out in five. They'd be up 3-1 again. We all know what happened last year. And in a weird way now, last year, that's a positive. It was horrible when they went through it. But now every time they get up 3-1, everybody who's on that team, and let's face it, they brought the whole team back, uh, everyone who's on that team is going to recall that moment. So... See if they get to 3-1 this weekend. It's Saturday at 6.30 and then Monday at 8. Those are the two games in L.A. And assuming there's a Game 5, it'll be back here in Utah on Wednesday. Uh, Other things we've hit on this morning, a lot of talk about the Jazz and the things that have gone right in this game. Uh, Ingles shooting the ball well again. So Joe's been in the lineup. What has he been in the starting lineup now? Three times. He's had three big games. Two big games have come when he's been in the starting lineup. One, as he came off the bench. Uh, One thing always to watch. When will Conley be back? The Jazz have a little breathing room. They do not want to lose Mike Conley for a long stretch of games. So, up 2-0. And maybe plays in Game 3. I've got zero inside info on this, but it seems like they might sit him for a couple more games. Uh, And a couple more days. Take uh, Take it day by day and game by game. I mean, if he's not feeling good, he doesn't go. But if it's iffy and you're up 2-0... Why not give him two more days? I think that's that's the gray area where the results can can have an impact. And I think the Jazz are usually pretty conservative with this kind of stuff. So wouldn't shock me if Conley missed Game Three. But I don't know. We'll all find out when the injury report comes out late on Saturday. A lot of shout-outs this morning from our listeners for uh, Bogey's defense. Uh, guys do a lot defensively that maybe doesn't get noticed when they're playing off the ball, but when you're on the ball against Kawhi Leonard, in the middle of the court, isolated, everybody's going to notice. And and Bogey did a good job in that situation. And his strength, his size, you know, obviously a major positive, and you just see the look on his face, man, the determination, you know, locked in. I'm not going to be the weak link. I'm not going to be the weak link. I'm going to make a play. Somehow I'm going to make a play. And the arena just went absolutely nuts when he poked the ball away and ended up in a jump ball. I mean, (laughs) it's a jump ball. But everybody gets when you hit the floor. And the guys who are willing to hit the floor are always going to be the fan favorites. And I think they're always rooting for the little guy, and it's easier for the little guy to hit the floor, so they're always going to be the fan favorite. But the bigger you are, when you start playing like that, people freaking love it. They They get it. They love it. Well, one one of the most energizing things ever in the arena, Carl Malone changing ends. Everybody wants to see everybody run the floor, and everybody knows it's harder for the big guys to run the floor. So when a Rudy Gobert or a Carl Malone runs the floor, it goes flying by everybody and throws down a dunk, the place is going to go nuts. When a guy like Bogey makes a defensive play against the other team's star and is diving on the ground, no doubt about it, the place is going to go nuts. If the Jazz work on anything, I think two things to work on that we've talked about this morning. One, obviously they have to do better with their zone offense. Obviously things really got gummed up in the third quarter. Um, 
They, they were crushing the Clippers. It looked like they were on the verge of just blowing them off the floor. And then the zone defense got the Clippers back in the game and actually put them in the lead briefly. And then the other thing is the Jazz have to run more. They were walking the ball up the floor too much. And late in the game, they did. They threw one of those 40-foot sideline passes, and they got bogey a three, and he hit it, and the place erupted. they got to run more. they got to push the ball. And if you're fatigued because you're playing big minutes, and they've got five starters playing big minutes, pass the ball ahead. You know, not every break has to be three on one, old school with you know Bob Cousy dribbling down the middle of the floor or Magic Johnson or whoever. That forty foot sideline pass has been there all year long, and they got a lot of shots off it. So get some more shots off it. All right, it's been mostly jazz this morning. Just a little bit of college football playoff talk. Twelve teams. Uh, it's. You know, if you're an independent, it opens a door. Now, they're going to put in six, the six conference champs who are highly ranked, and then the next six at-large teams are highly ranked. So that gives a group of five teams, the Coastal Carolinas, the BYUs, the Boise States, the Utah States, whoever, it gives them a shot. Six conference champs. And this is a political process, and there's going to be a vote, and now all the G5s have a reason to vote yes. It's the four conference champs who get the bye, so Notre Dame won't get a bye, but they will get a home game, so presumably that'll help Notre Dame sell season tickets, whether they're really good or not. You'll want to hold on to those season tickets. So I can see where they're getting Notre Dame's vote in this. And for the Power 5 leagues, it makes it easier to get in if you're the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and you're playing nine conference games instead of eight, and you're on the western side of the country dealing with Eastern bias, and you're the ones who are getting left out. It's not the 18 leagues that are getting left out. It's the teams playing nine games who get left out. And the Big Ten's a great example. Because when they played eight, they got in. And once they went to a nine-team conference schedule, they've been getting left out. But now, you got a much better path to getting in. So you can see why everyone's voting for it. The SEC's thinking, sweet, we're getting four teams in. We're getting three for sure. And we might get four. This will be great. If you go back 10 years, the Athletic did a story on it. It was actually one year that the, big, the SEC would have gotten five teams in. Woo! There'd be some complaining then. So it looks like it's going to happen. It's gone from the subcommittee to the committee, and I expect uh, it'll keep getting approved up the line. All right, that's what we've been talking about today. Your feedback's coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Kawhi Leonard. Playing the weight of expectations. And Paul George. When you need him most, he turns into pandemic peak. Hey, Paul and Kawhi, if you and the Clippers want to come to Salt Lake and steal a game from our Jazz. And the Jazz are up two games tonight. <laughs> you're going to have to do a lot better than that. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were just horrible. Catch every moment of Jazz playoff basketball as the series shifts to L.A. In Los Angeles. Game three tips off Saturday at 6.30 with the Jazz live pregame show beginning at 5 on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Oh, Donovan! Oh, Donovan! And how about Rudy Gobert? The Stifle Tower. Blocking shots, creating havoc, hustling, jamming dunks in their faces. He was all over the place. Rudy! Three times! Dave from Virginia. These night games, these late games are killing me, but boy, are they worth it. I'll take Quinn and that coaching staff anytime over the Clippers. Clip, Clippers like Clip, Clippers like little brother, like the Utes to the Cougars, like little brother. Play a P, going nowhere, like Stifle Tower. We got the power. D. Mitchell is the man. All right, that's a pretty good collection right there. Dave from Virginia, I actually know him. He is a retired Northridge High School teacher. 
a beloved teacher up at that school. How did he get all the way to Virginia? Uh, I think chasing family and grandkids. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and then the the parents are chasing jobs and careers. So, uh, but he is still all about all about sports on the Wasatch Front. So. <laughs> So you're, we're complaining about games that are going till ten thirty or quarter to eleven. That means they're going to twelve thirty or a quarter to one. So retirement is good though; you can sleep in. But he's up in time for DJ and PK, so you gotta like that. We got a lot of feedback rolling in. How do you feel? Two O? You feeling good? Because Dave says it's worth it. And we got people uh, all sorts of fired up there on the open mic. Which all you do is grab your phone, get the twelve eighty the zone app. Download our app, use the open mic feature, and you can send in your audio. Uh, Matt says, no, I don't feel good up 2-0. I don't feel good at all. No Conley. Mitchell's not close to 100% after tweaking a leg a couple times. It's so frustrating, all the injuries after seeing Stockton alone teams that hardly ever had injuries. Well, Matt, I get a lot of that. I'm going to disagree with the very end of it. Stockton alone teams had injuries. Difference is, they just didn't let you know. They lied to you, Matt. They lied to you. I think Malone's favorite moment, and I haven't talked to Carl in a long time, so I'm just guessing here, but I don't think his opinion of things has changed that much. I think Carl's favorite moment in that game would be Bogey twisting his ankle, uh, landing on Cousin Shoots underneath him, and he gets up and he's hurt, but he walks it off, doesn't look at the trainer, doesn't go to the bench, and takes two deep breaths as if he can just exhale the pain. Carl's like, that's right, suck it up. You've got a few seconds, but when the whistle blows, no more of that. Sure enough, the whistle blew and we never knew again. I'm thinking the mailman's nodding like, yep. And I don't even want to get into how much Stockton lied to you about injuries. (laughs) There's one year, I'm sure he had a serious shoulder injury. I swear I watched him go several games without lifting his arm above his head. And then all of a sudden he comes out in a playoff game, he's flying around waving his arms. I mean, was it painkillers or was it the time off or what happened? And I think Stockton played through a bunch of stuff and we just didn't know because he didn't tell us. He didn't want anyone to know if his shoulder's hurting or his knee is hurting or whatever. He doesn't want people to know. He doesn't want to get hit on his shoulder when his shoulder hurts. No. Your right shoulder hurts? Let's set more screens and hit him on that right shoulder more often. No way, man. Keeping that stuff quiet. There's more that's made people really worried about the injuries. Nope, I'm worried about Donovan. Ever since he tweaked his ankle in the third quarter when he faked a drive to the basket and his foot slid forward, he wasn't the same. I think it was actually in the second quarter, but I remember the play. You're right. And the trip by PG-13 just made it worse. I think he has a more serious ankle injury than he's letting on. Then all the more reason to go down and win in L.A. and end this series as soon as possible. PK's been comparing it, hey, you want as much rest as the Suns, and there's the rest fatigue element for sure. And then over here, there's another key element, whether it's Conley's hamstring or it's Bogey's ankle or it's Mitchell's ankle, rest these injuries, rest the nagging injuries, because they're real and they impact the series, and yet no one cares, and they're playing the games when they're scheduled anyway. So do yourself a favor, shorten this series, get more rest before the next one. All right, time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt. Wasatch Medical Clinic joins us with a breakthrough treatment that does not involve a pill, injections, or surgery. And Andrew, you talk to enough patients over the years, you hear a lot of different stories, a lot of different experiences. What have you learned talking to patients? Well, I've learned that, number one, erectile dysfunction is a bigger issue than I had thought. So many guys struggling, so common. They're hesitant to get it treated because they're a little bit embarrassed. And nobody wants to take the pill. Uh, I'm surprised that it caused the side effects that it does and uh, that it stops working for a lot of guys. 
And we have seen some really excellent results with our acoustic wave therapy. The science that comes out on this, every month it seems like there's new data, new studies that are done showing we really can regrow and open up blood vessels. That's what it's all about. Blood flow in this part of the body uh, gets you back to more spontaneous function, less erectile dysfunction, and we've seen a lot of guys eliminate the pill. So why eliminate the pill, I guess? Because for some guys, it seems like, well, that's more private. And so when you get back to that whole embarrassment factor, people are going to go that way. Yes, that is true. And I think that's a big attraction to the pill is I can take it without anybody knowing. Uh, And if it's working great, I'd probably say keep doing it. But this is not an ongoing painful process at our clinic. It's two to three weeks of treatments. Then you don't have to take the pill every time. You get more function. So uh, we're kind of eliminating the embarrassing aspects of ED, uh, losing the spontaneity, having to take the pill, and having to take more of the pill as time goes on. You got a special offer? Our listeners love offers. Yes, a lot of value. And last segment of the day, the assessment and exam with our doctors free. This gift, very popular, this, by the way, it produces immediate results in the bedroom. It's all totally free. And new patients even get free testosterone, keep in mind. That's pretty cool. Uh, Give us a call now. It's no charge. Call 801-901-8000, the number for Wasatch Medical and Andrew Reinhardt and the special deal, 801-901-8000. Thank you. Way to go, hey, Andrew. You're the man. Good to talk to you today. You too. DJ PK, we're out of time. Hands of Scotty are next.